Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 36. In today's show, we introduce a brand new segment called Lunch with Rod. We talk APSC sensors as well as Sigma and Metabones adapters. And we say bon voyage to Keith as we send him to NAB 2017 representing Tech Move and what he expects to see and hear. I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! Thank you very much, Doc Severinsen and the band. It is Rod Louie. <laughs> Wait a second. That's a pretty obscure reference. Is it? Is I'm it very what? doubtful that any of our listeners <laughs> would even know what that means. <laughs> uh, I guess it really should be more like, uh, who, are, who are some of those? Uh, like the roots for joining us. But anyway, okay, I won't Think of me that. like Sheila E. Thanks, Sheila E. I mean, that's a little bit more modern, but not quite. I even then, we're going to lose lots of people. We, uh, well, I, you know what? I'll just call them the band. How about that? I'll just... I'll, okay. Oh, I, I got a perfect thing. Okay, so shall we uh, end that and then uh, start again? Yeah, because we I can delete that. No, we don't need to delete okay. it. We could just, we we could just keep okay. going. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> go, go ahead and give us the count off. Okay. Three, two, one, record. I want to thank the orchestra from the Tech Move podcast. <laughs> The Tech Move Podcast Orchestra. Orchestra. Right. <laughs> I want to use that. Okay, that's what it is. The Tech Move Podcast Orchestra. <laughs> Tech Move Orchestra. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. Okay. <clears throat> three, three, two, one, record. All right, and uh, that is the uh, great stylings of the Tech Move Orchestra. Uh <laughs> I don't know. All right. Hey, everyone. It's Rod Louie. Uh, you're listening to Tech Move Podcast. And uh, as always, I am joined by the ultra fantastic Keith Moreau. Keith, how the are you today? Orchestral. The, the orchestral or- Keith Moreau. <laughs> Our orchestral band Keith leader, Moreau. Keith Moreau of this <laughs> merry uh, little band here. Uh, Keith, how are you today? I'm okay. I'm okay. Fantastic. Good. Yeah. Well, that's How about you. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still breathing, so that's all right. <laughs> uh, Keith, you know, uh, I wanted to um, open up the show today and kind of share this great brainstorm that you and I had together as we were talking in one of our many production meetings that we have, <laughs> and uh, you know, we kind of came up with this thing, maybe. You and I should record not only in the same room, but how about remotely? How about a remote recording? And I thought that was an absolute spectacular idea that we both came up with because, number one, you have the equipment, and number two, I didn't have any other time otherwise. So uh, so it worked out fantastic. Um so, you know, uh, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, but 
Tech Move is not my primary source of income, even though it does generate zillions and zillions of dollars for us. I actually have to have a nine to five job, and the nine to five job that I have is down in the uh, Silicon Valley of uh, of California. Mm-hmm. Those of you who are familiar with that area, and Keith happened to be uh, in that area. And he kind of let me know that he was nearby. So he said, hey, why don't we, uh, you know, do a, t- uh, a, a remote recording of Tech Move? I mm-hmm. said, sure, why not? That sounds fantastic. I've got a pretty nice, uh, uh, you know, uh, cafeteria at my workplace. Uh, why don't you meet me there and let's, uh, l- let's, you know, hook up some mics and let's start recording. You know, wh- mm-hmm. what the heck? Yeah. And... Uh, Keith, I, I think we both agreed that the segment that we're going to introduce to you today is a brand new segment that we might be doing in the future. Depends on, I don't know, if it was any good or not. But nonetheless, you know, it's it's called Lunch with Rod, starring Keith Moreau. So, uh, Keith, what did you think about Lunch with Rod? I thought it was really fun. Yeah. I thought... Well, I wasn't sure about the lunch itself. It was okay, right? But the but the um, the company was great. Uh, we got to go over a lot of stuff. We got to um, attract a lot of unwanted attention. Yes, and uh, almost got you fired, but that's fine. You know, and we, you know, I think we talked our way out of it. Well, and the thing about it is that you know, the funny thing is that how we gained a lot of unwanted attention might have been because when I stood up in the middle of the cafeteria, flapping my arms like a chicken, so. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was it. Uh, that that was, was it. probably it. But but uh, you do that every day. Thank so. you. But you know what was really great was that actually not only was it lunch with Rod, but it was also Keith Moreau show and tell, because mm-hmm. Keith brought uh, some really fantastic pieces of equipment. Because, ladies and gentlemen, as reference in the last episode of Tech Move, Rod Louie is in a quandary. He is torn right now between the purchase of a Sony A6500 or what Keith Moreau has ruined me with, which is the announcement of the new GH5. Uh, These two cameras are very highly touted right now, especially for someone like myself uh, who doesn't need something like an A7R2, A7S2 or anything like that. Um, you know, A6500, right in my wheelhouse. Uh, GH5, right in my wheelhouse. I've already got lenses, you know, the A6500. I have to change a whole new system. So Keith was good enough to kind of bring, uh, so, you know, all these different examples of the Micro Four Thirds stuff as well as the APS-C stuff. And... Uh, and boy, was it eye-opening. I mean, Keith, thank you so much for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. It was fun bringing some stuff down and showing you how these things physically felt and looked and acted. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think I think that's exactly, you know, what, what it did. I was able to kind of, you know, hold it in my hand and not just look at the, you know, pictures on Amazon or B&H or Adorama or anything like that but actually kind of hold this stuff. And, um, you know, we'll kind of talk about that maybe, you know, after the uh, after the actual lunch with Rod segment. But uh, very, very enlightening, very educational. 
And uh, again, thank you for packing up the entire studio to bring it uh, to the South Bay. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, it was actually really easy. It's it's kind of it's one of the setups I use for uh, recording um, on on uh, recording uh, people. I call them body mics. Yes. And I just I have a couple little. Um, they're basically dictation recorders. They're they're about 150 bucks. They're called. Um, they're actually kind of old. I don't think they're made anymore. But there's replacements for them. But the they're Olympus um, and they're 16 bit recorders. They're 16-bit, uh, 48 kilohertz recorders, and they take little eighth-inch jacks, and which pretty much all, even professional little lavalier microphones have as an output. And uh, you just plug those in, and they get they power the mics, and I tape them on, to, uh, tape them together a little bit to keep them more secure, and then we just kind of carried them around or put them in our pockets or whatever with us. We had them just clipped to our law to our collars or whatever, and yep. um, yeah, and those are the those are the um, mics I use to record uh, people live um, when I'm recording video. So I get a really good um, recording of their of their voices while I'm filming them, usually in documentary documentary type settings. So yeah, so that was pretty darn easy because that's what I always use. Very unobtrusive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, very easy to uh, to use, and I actually found. You know, in, in obs- observing you, kind of uh, engineering the thing, seemed like it was relatively easy to to kind of check, uh, you know, levels, you know, whether or not we were too distorted or whatever. I haven't heard the final product yet, uh, but uh, I, I'm going to guess that good. was pretty decent. It was pretty decent. I think there were a couple little parts where it clipped slightly, yeah, because um, we we started out kind of talking low and wound up talking a little bit louder, but. It's not a big deal. Especially when we went into that conference room. I would imagine that yeah. that was probably a little bit louder. It's it's enclosed booth kind of feel I to it. I think so. I think so. But overall, the recording, I think, was, was good. And it gave you good ambience. So yeah. hopefully people understand that it was in a live setting on the cafeteria. And there were kind of people around and a little bit of background noise. And at least for the first part of it. But but I think, it, I think there's enough info where people shopping for either a GH4 or 5 or a a6500 would get a pretty good, a little bit better idea of what they might be interested in. Well, and I think most uh, uh, also what would be helpful is people like me who are just so wishy-washy and finicky about where to dump their dough uh, on which one to get. I mean, I'm still honestly pretty pretty torn right now. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, we'll go through that through the, you know, uh, ending segment of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, Hey, why, why don't we get to the segment right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let, let's, uh, let's go to this, uh, new feature that we have and then we'll mm-hmm. come back and talk about the thing afterwards. What do you say to that? Sounds good. Fantastic. Okay. So here's a brand new segment, uh, that we'd like to introduce to you It's called lunch with rod and it does star Keith Moreau. Uh, and this is something that, you know, maybe we'll catch on for, for, you know, future, uh, future episodes to come. But right now, here's our first installment and you're listening to it right here on Tech.
the best vesseral bistro, whatever that is. And did you want some mango salsa for your fish? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, thank you very much. How you doing there? Hi. Good. I think these two things this together. This is a soda water. Okay. And that's just a cheeseburger and a fries? That's correct. Here are plastic utensils, or if you I'll prefer, just take, I'll just take the metal ones. Real silverware. Yeah, the real. Which I would here. Thank you. Real ones are great. I agree. So where we're now, we're now in kind of one of the corners of Rodney's private cafeteria. Um, moving out chairs and making all this ambient noise. Yeah, normally, and we're near some um, some Venetian blinds, which are actually are providing a little bit of acoustic. I'm going to have to leave on my jacket because the recorder is attached to it, no, even though a, I could take it out. No, it's actually attached to your sweater. I know. No, oh, I was you mean, talking oh, about this thing. I'll just put it on the table. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm going to do. All right. And that way you can kind of monitor so, it. Should I introduce the segment right now? Or? I think we already have. Oh, we already no, did? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, the big, it's the really long teaser that a lot of shows have before the actual title. This is that but behind the scenes thing? Yeah, this, this is behind, behind, the, yeah. This behind. Is the, this is behind the scenes before right. the actual episode. Right. So uh, this should give our fans a, a, a real, a real distinctive edge to what Tech Move is all about. Yeah, edge. Okay. Ed, edge is important. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce the show now. Okay. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the Tech Move world, we are bringing to you a brand new segment that we just invented today. Um, what you are listening to right now is a new segment we'd like to introduce to you as Lunch with Rod. And it uh, features Keith Moreau. Yeah, I'm the first guest. You're the first guest. There might be other guests. There could be other guests, but I really yeah. doubt it. I think we're going to have Donald Trump next week. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But or uh, shall I say, as of today, <laughs> President Trump. President Trump. That's right. So <laughs> just to explain to our listening audience out there, uh, I'm at my nine to five uh, job right now. And Wait, you have a job? I do actually have a job. I can't ah. make it like you in the video world where I actually have to supplement my income by actually having a, a, a real <laughs> job. Um, and uh, that's okay. We're right now eating in my cafeteria here mm. in San Jose, California. And uh, I have with me my special guest, the, uh, the always incredible, in, in, intuitive, the- <laughs> Intuitive? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Thought-provoking Keith Moreau here. Keith, thank you for joining me for, with, uh, at lunchtime here. Oh, you're welcome. It it's great. fantastic. I happen to be down here. Oh, it's on another little shoot gig thing. And, Great. Uh, decided to visit you and show you um, some of the some of the lenses and products that you might be purchasing in the next couple and, months. And this is very important because uh, since our last segment of recording, I've become more and more confused as we as we go on. Because, and that was my aim. And that was your aim because yes. I know what it was because the reports on the Panasonic GH5 have been stellar. Yes. It has just absolutely been stellar. Yes. I mean, it, I mean, like people are just talking about this thing. 
Like they're actually putting. I, I listened to a, a, another podcast uh -huh. on the way here. Some guy is kind of like, it might not. It's not exactly gonna exactly uh, replace the epic. <laughs> you know, not really at that level. Wait a second. What podcast was this? Uh, actually, I have it here. Here, I'll show you. And, and that's not what he's saying, but it's pretty darn good. But it's pretty darn good. Hey, I got my order in. Here. Did you really? No, but oh. I am. You're going to. I'm going to buy it. So It's a no-brainer. Uh, Keith, uh, you know, and as we, as we do this, uh, this recording right now, I don't know if we want to give anyone uh, any type of... Uh, uh, of juice or not, but the, the, this is the well, modern cinematographer. Yeah, right. Modern cinematographer. I actually listened to that one, and and, and, and that particular episode is quite good because uh, the guy. Yeah. Let me see. What date is it? January eleven. Yeah, I actually I actually listened to this one. Okay. So I like I like that that guy na guy's named is Matt Matt Workman. Okay. The podcaster. He's actually a cinematographer. Yeah. But he kind of he he originally. I think actually he'd be a good candidate for tech move because he's a really fun guy. And you know what? He doesn't sound like it. He's actually Chinese. Really? I think, or he's Asian or something. Hmm. Yeah. You'd ne like I, I've been listening to him for like years because he's had this this thing on for a couple of years, and it was like, oh, okay, this kind of guy, you know, he sounds. And then I saw him because he has a YouTube channel too. Right. And he's this Chinese guy. I don't know if he's Chinese. He might be Korean or some other. And you know what? Asian, we're, but... we're mentioning that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because. Uh, both Keith and I share uh, Chinese blood, so it's not a racist thing. And you know, even though it's <laughs> it's Trump's inauguration day and stuff like that, but it, it's it's just because you know, hey, fist in the air, Chinese power. Asian, so there's Asian, Asian, power. Asian power. There you go. Asian okay. Power. So anyway, so I was listening to this, <laughs> and the guy who you interviewed, Luke Newman, who apparently is a. Um, uh, he, he, he was brought on by uh, by Panasonic as one of their early adopters to mm -hmm. to take a test of the GH5. Right. He did a movie, and I and and I think he also made available his shoots to just folks like us to just try and color grade the floor two two. Right. I think you're able to download the source the source video. Right. And what I love about well, this is on another note. This recording that we're doing, I don't know if you can tell that, ladies and gentlemen, my mouth is completely full of food right now. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and if you order salmon from the Rod Lou cafeteria yes. and, you, and you ask for medium. Right. Check it. It's a good it's thing that raw. I didn't ask for rare because it's basically half raw, but that's okay. I, well, like, I like sushi. They like to call it, you're right, it's, it's sushimi, I think, actually. Oh, no. sushimi, oh. sorry. Mm. Well, I good. Anyway, so I'm eating. <laughs> so anyway, this guy, Luke, he did some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Put it, put it out there flat. Mm -hmm. You, you, you know, everyone can mess around, mm -hmm. color grade it themselves, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And you recorded with vlog. I think he recorded it with vlog. Mm -hmm. And um, and this is all pre-production cameras too, right? Correct. So it's probably going to be even better than this eventually. And can I say, you know, they they use Arias, they use Reds, all this kind of stuff. Uh huh. Of course, we're not talking about replacing those items, mm -hmm. but as far as a two thousand dollar four K camera, sixty frames per second, mm -hmm. four two two color space, mm -hmm. 
10-bit. 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 Mm -hmm. I mean, they are talking that this thing is really going to be the thing. It's just such a bargain. Right. It's In like, camera? There's no, there's no, it's the first, I think we mentioned this, but it's the first 422 10-bit internal recording camera. Mm -hmm. And also, it can record, record at a really high bit rate. Right. And I think it, I think it uses H.265 for some of the recording, mm -hmm. which means that it just can put a lot more information for the, it, you can put a lot more quality for the same amount of recording space on your card, which I think is really innovative. So I think one of the things that we're trying to accomplish here by having this new segment of lunch with Rod is that Keith has actually been so kind to come down here to San Jose, California, where I am, and bring his small inventory of, uh, of equipment yeah, uh, to brought, show me. Yeah, I brought some of the lenses that Rod was thinking of. Rod's really thinking about the Sigma 18 to 35. Yep, which is a classic lens, beautiful lens. I use it all the time. I used it like two two days ago on a five hour shoot with my A seven R two. I think personally, I think the image of with that lens and the A seven R two is better than my FS five. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, the FS five is a is is good because it's got everything built into it, and it's got built in uh, electronic ND, and it's got XLRs and all that. So for an all-purpose camera, like to bring to documentary gigs or interviews that I don't need superlative quality. It's, excuse me. <laughs> There's going to be burping in this podcast too. Um, it's, it's great. But if, if I want to get really small and not to be too obtrusive, um, A7R2 and this uh, Sigma adapter uh, and then the 18-35 is my go-to lens right now. Because you can get wide enough. 18 millimeters is wide enough for getting fairly close to somebody, mm -hmm. but still getting a significant portion of them. And then 35 is not bad when you're on an APS-C sensor. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty good combo. And uh, that is what I'm kind of, kind of made a, um, what I have in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm, I mean, just to review. I'm sure this will probably be earlier on in the podcast in another segment. The the thought is the you know, the Sigma art, you know, 1.8, which we're you're just mentioning. Uh the Sigma MC eleven uh adapter and a Sony A sixty five hundred. That was the original thought. That's the original thought. Mm -hmm. Um And you're so hot at it that earlier this week you you sent me a a Craigslist ad for somebody selling a used 18 to 35. Yep. And of course, because I um, dilly dallied and I uh, didn't act fast enough, it was sold. Right. Which is okay because, you know, I, I've, I've seen other ones that are kind of in that same price, maybe, you know, 600 here and there, whatever it is. Now, is it worth it to you to actually get a used? lens without a warranty to save only a couple hundred dollars or maybe really only like 150 bucks because you're going to need you're probably going to need the dock the dock is like 60 bucks mm. 50 to 60 bucks so right the dock but for those who don't know that the sigma lens is only upgradable or firmware updatable through this dock so it's basically just got like an ef mount 
female mount and you, you slide the 35 in and connect it to your computer. Now, now that brings a very interesting question because you're right. Do I need that? And Rod Louie, always in his cheapness yes. and his money-saving mm -hmm. schemes, mm -hmm. would like to say, yes, I don't care about the warranty. I don't care about this or, you know, whatever, just to save a dollar. Right. <clears throat> but with this new revelation, because I didn't know it needed the dock. Right. Well, it doesn't, it's not a necessity. Right. And, and actually, but if you wanted to. helps. If you wanted to, sometime I could come down and bring my dock. Mm. Because basically, I'm at your beck and call. Right. And I'll, I will, <laughs> you say, you, like, Sigma comes out with a firmware upgrade that's going to greatly improve the performance. Okay. Keith, can you, can you drive down here with your dock so I can upgrade my lens? Sure, Rod. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Um, I'll be there in an hour. But it is true. I mean, like, maybe it is more... It, here's, here's my thought. Correct or, or not correct, you as a professional are selling gear all the time. Kind of. You're selling bodies left and right. You know when the when the next one comes out, who's not to say that the person is the same thing? Yeah, but it also, but but also you don't know what that product's been through. Correct. And you know absolutely. And you don't really know why they're selling. Right. You might think you might they might be selling it because they, it's something wrong with it. Like there's some intermittent issue. Mm. You know, and that happens a lot. Or people return stuff. Mm. You know, like for example, I got this Tamron, kind of expensive Tamron lens. It's normally like $1,500. Right. And it always kind of had some kind of weird focusing issue. Like it would, it would sometimes just stop focusing. Okay. But then I could just like unscrew it and put it back in and it would be okay. Uh huh. And then after a while, it just didn't work after a while. And I got this refurbished. Mm. And so what I suspect is it had this issue. It got sent back to the factory. They checked it out. And the time they checked it out for five minutes, it didn't, it didn't mess up. So they put it on the refurbished rack. There's nothing uh, wrong with this. Mm. Let's sell it. And I got a good deal. Luckily, I got a warranty with it. Right. No, but, but when you buy something used like a, some, some guy that you don't know mm. with no warranty, yeah, that's, that's always an issue for me. So then what have you, and you know, and folks, we're, we're, we're just having this nice, con that's why it's lunch with Rod, because it's just <laughs> conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So when you sell stuff, mm -hmm. or when you buy stuff, you've bought used equipment before, or never have. It's always been new. You always wanted the warranty. I usually don't buy stuff that's that's used from like eBay, mm. unless it's something mechanical that's just bulletproof. Mm. There's very very few times that I bought I used stuff off of Craigslist. I, I don't think I've ever bought camera stuff off Craigslist. I don't think I've even so I don't usually sell through like Craigslist either because. Who do you sell through? I usually sell through eBay. Oh really? Yeah, just because it's it's I've done it for so long. Mm. I think I've have like. I have a four or five hundred transactions on eBay, <laughs> which is crazy. Right. Um, right. Probably about half of them are buying stuff mm. and half are selling stuff. But um, 
it's kind of like, first of all, you can kind of see the, the person's um, rating. Mm. People that buy stuff, if they have a good experience, right. you get a high rating. True. And so, and as a seller, I have a high rating, so people will tend to buy from me. Oh, this guy, look at his reviews. He sold this other piece. Somebody gave him a high rating. He's trustable. He's going right. to sell good stuff. Right. And vice versa. So, but you don't necessarily have that with Craigslist. I don't mm. think you do, right? It's just like Correct. some guy nope. is selling it and that's all, it. All this is a classified ad. Yeah. And you're answering it and you're, right. you know, that's why so many people get murdered. Right. You know, selling cars or whatever it is. Do they? I mean, they're admin. Yeah. Because they have a lot of cash with them. And going yeah, to some right. Location. I mean, like, yeah. you know, some people are looking at cars. Right. You know. Conk them over the head, uh -huh. you know, and and, yeah. and run away with the car and their money, you yeah. know. So sure, yeah. And Craigslist, it, it attracts people that that are kind of cheap. Yeah, that yeah. are trying to get. Thank you. Well, sorry. <laughs> I mean to the sellers, right? Because it doesn't. Does it cost anything? It's free. Yeah, it doesn't even cost anything, which is crazy. Like, how can they even run a business that way? But, but, um, yeah. So, yeah, there are there are give and take for sure. Yeah. So I I probably unless I really. You know what? I actually did buy something off Craigslist. I bought. I have this really large piano, weighted piano controller, a okay. Yamaha. Okay. It's like it's like like a grand piano, mm. but just the keyboard part of it. But it feels awesome. Uh -huh. It feels like a key, like a real piano. Okay. <clears throat> and I got and I I always loved this thing. And it's like twenty years. I mean, the thing was probably manufactured twenty five years ago, uh -huh. back, back when MIDI first came out. Right. And. And I just love that thing because I played it in some studios and stuff. And I said, I'm going to get one of those. Mm. And so one day I was just searching on Craigslist. And the thing is normally like $3,000 or something. It's crazy when you buy it new. And it was like $400 with all this extra stuff. Right, right. You know? So I said, oh, I'm going to get this. So I drove down there and I bought it. And he had yeah. extra stands and pedals. And I got an amazing deal. Uh-huh. You know, and that and that was pretty cool because it's kind of a mechanical thing. But you're able to try it. I was there, able to try it, and mm -hmm. we actually played some stuff through it. And right. It, and stuff like stuff, that kind of stuff is built like a tank. There's right. There's not a whole lot that can go Correct. wrong with it, and it's obvious if it is. So, but that's. And it's true, you know, like what you're talking about. It's the thing, <clears throat> though. You might take it to gigs every once in a while. I mean, you're putting it in a car, you're driving it there, you're setting it up on the stand, you're playing it, you're putting it back in the car. Whereas with a lens, hey, you're taking it on, you're taking it off, you're dropping it, you're putting it, yeah. you know, who knows if it's in a, in, in, in a case or it's floating in the back seat somewhere, rolling right. back. Yeah. That, that is something to consider. Who knows if it's been dropped in water and That's true. dried out. Right. Yeah. Right. So whatever. That is true. Well, you know, I mean, you know, maybe that's a, a great sign that it got sold before I could get there. Yeah, I just kind of think that you're. I feel like you were saving maybe 150 bucks. Right. And and you weren't not going to get a warranty. Right. And if you change your mind and you decide, like you just took looked at my lens right now and you said, "Wow, yes. this is actually kind of heavy and big." Right. Correct. And I've been kind of mentioning that to you. It's right. A lot heavier and bigger than a yes. lot of lenses. Yes. And so, well, you go to this guy, this Craigslist guy, and you, and you, and you, you're, you're, you're kind of like forced to buy something, right? In a way, you feel obligated. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally would not. But you personally I, wouldn't. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you, I don't mind running out of the room screaming, <laughs> like a, like a five-year-old girl or something like as that. As the guy's I mean, about ready as to guys your kidney. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly correct. I mean, you know, that, th 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 this is very true. 
but you know that is something to consider. I mean, like you know, maybe you're right. I mean, you're right. 150 bucks, but you know, to someone like me, 150 bucks is 150 bucks, right? Because 150 bucks gets me that adapter, right? So for you, that's the way I look at. I always look at things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I save this money now. I could get that adapter, no problem, right? Because it's all wrapped up into the thing. Because as we talked before, my outlay price, my MSRP from from what we had talked about was about twenty eight hundred bucks. A sixty five hundred, Sigma MC eleven adapter, and a Sigma eighteen to thirty five one point eight. Totals roughly twenty eight hundred bucks. Right. You know, I cut a couple corners here, a couple of corners here. I'm down to twenty six hundred. <laughs> cut a couple that, corners, that, run that, over a couple people, right? sell a couple kidneys. That, 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 I'm that's down what twenty five hundred. I, I, I think they do give you a fairly good uh, uh, buyback rate for uh, blood donations, do they not? So, like, I could. Some people live off that. I could, I could do that. I, you know, I just got to eat a lot of oranges. That's all. Um, but, uh, it, it, but, but it's true. I, I, I think what you bring up is a very good point. I mean, there's, look, there's nothing better than new or at least buying it from someone that you know. Yeah. So here's what I would suggest. Go ahead. Um, you may consider going to Amazon mm -hmm. and, and here's this, what's really cool. Go to Amazon. Cause I've actually bought a lot of used stuff off Amazon. Now, hang on, Keith. Do you mean techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon? Yes. <laughs> Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. That's the way we do things around here. Product placement. Perfectly <laughs> placed. Um, pardon me while I sip my Diet please, Coke. Please, please. <laughs> please it doesn't work so well in radio. You have to, you have to narrate the product placement. <laughs> anyway. um, yeah, so what I've done a lot... Actually, just the other day, I bought a um, used mm -hmm. DJI Ronin... Um, remote control. Oh, okay. So there's this thumb controller where mm -hmm. you can actually change where the gimbal's pointed up and down, etc. Mm. And mm -hmm. it's really tiny. It's like this big. Okay. And it normally goes for like $160. Okay. <clears throat> I got it used off of Amazon warehouse deals. Oh, okay. For $80. Really? Yeah. So I've been almost half price. I got it. It's pretty much new. Really? Pretty much new. Functions perfectly. And if there was something wrong with it, after... Up to a month, I could return it. So, so it's still under the the Amazon umbrella yes. of, of returnability, yes. refund, all yeah. this kind of stuff. Anything under their guarantee, or right? Something anything like that. that's Prime uh -huh. can be returned in that thirty days. Excellent. Yeah. So, oh, okay. I'll yeah. look there. Yeah. So I've bought I'll look there. That I've, sounds good. I mean, I buy stuff all the time. I've probably bought dozens of things that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it's. And it is under that umbrella of that 30-day return warranty. Okay. And so that's a good that's a, yeah. that's a good thought. Check it out. That's and you a get good the thought. free shipping. You know. I did notice that you had sent me a link, and and I don't know if I acknowledged it or not, but I did see that there was that I think it was Adorama who was selling the the Sigma lens with the dock. Yeah. At at the MSRP of seven ninety nine, uh, yeah. which you know it, it's pretty much you're buying the lens and then you get the the dock thrown in with it yeah so, which is which is pretty good that's a pretty good deal it's pretty good deal yeah it's pretty good deal i did see that yeah it did spark my interest yeah. but so, so that was seven that would be essentially like buying the lens for 750 or right something like that. that's correct and so that's only like a hundred or so dollars 
below your right. Craigslist price. <laughs> and you don't have to drive anywhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> and meet some strange man in his, in his home. No, uh, who, who knows, you know, what, what kind of what, what kind of uh, uh, tying instruments this guy's got on? Uh, uh, oh, I want to tell you a horror story. Go ahead, please. So this was back, I think it was back before the internet and Craigslist. Okay. But I, I, want, I really wanted a, like a, it was some kind of dot matrix printer. This was back sure. in the old days when sure. uh, printers were either dot matrix yep. or they were like kind of like selectric typewriters that you connected. So there was this brother printer that was letter quality or whatever. Right. And but it was like it was kind of it was on Divisodero Street. Okay. So I showed up there in San Francisco. In San Francisco, yeah. Right. And you know that busy street. Yep. It's kind of like not the best neighborhood back then. Now it's better. Yeah. But so I went in there and the the, the guy advertised I called him he said, "Yeah, come on over." Mm. And so sounded like a nice person. I walked up the steps to the door. The door was slightly ajar. <laughs> and I so I knocked I knocked on the door. Knock knock and he's hello, I'm here to buy the printer, the brother printer. Okay. And no answer. I heard some sound, like music. Right. So I thought I and the thing was, it sounded to me like he was like it was like a retailer, like it was a store. Okay. It didn't sound like it seemed like it was some guy's house. Right. <laughs> so so I, so I kind of just gently pushed the door open. Hello, I'm here for the printer. Hello. And I and I just kinda and I wind up in his living this living room of this person. And then he, this guy comes out in this towel. <laughs> that, that's my biggest fear. And he starts swearing. And he starts swearing at me and saying, "What the hell are you with more expletives like, doing right. in my house?" Really? Yeah. And I said, "I'm sorry. I'm here for the printer. Get out now. Get out now. Get out." You know. Uh-huh. And so I have no idea if it was the wrong house. Wow. Or if it was just this guy and he was a nut. He wasn't expecting me, or he just forgot. Anyway, I got out of there quickly. And. Moral of the story, you didn't get the brother printer. I did not get the brother printer. That's too bad. But I did get out with my life. Good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Wow. Well, see, and and that's what life on Craigslist is very much like. It's very much like that. It's not really too different than that. It's not too different. It's it's about the same thing. Have you bought other stuff on Craigslist? I have, actually. I have bought stuff. Uh, Like, I bought a... um, This is great. More people are sitting behind us, which is... They're going to start noisy. We can move. Because we're almost done with our stuff, right? Yeah. We can move. Let me me gather my... my Get get all your stuff 3,000 things here. Right, right, right. Um, Pardon the interruption. No, 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 no. Well, I'll I'll, I'll continue to talk. So, when when I I bought... uh, I bought a DJ mixer number of years ago. Wait, wait. Was it the Vestac? Right. It was the Vestac. Vestac 3000? The Vestac uh, PMC 05 Mark II. Oh, the 05 Mark II. That's classic. It's classic. It's a classic DJ mixer. I bought it for like 150 bucks or something like that Uh from a a guy. Oh, hey, I bought a lot of stuff from from, from a guy. uh, in a, we met at a parking lot. Uh-huh. Went great. Uh-huh. Worked great. Uh-huh. Everything was fine. And here's another thing. Uh, my wife uh, uh, had uh, had lost her purse, mm-hmm. and in it was her. Um, I'm sorry, she, she didn't lose her. She had her purse stolen uh-huh. uh, at a at a restaurant uh-huh. when she wasn't paying attention. Her iPhone uh, uh, 4S had gotten stolen. 
Okay. Way back when. Uh-huh. Found one on, on, you know, on Craigslist. Yeah. Called up the guy. He said, uh-huh. clean ESN. Uh-huh. You can run it if you want. Here uh-huh. it is. Blah, uh-huh. blah, blah. Looked good. Yeah. Bought it from him. Yeah. We used it for another year. And it turned out to be her phone. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's perfect. It's she got per- her own phone it, back. We found it, and, and it only cost us another $150 or whatever it did. It was absolutely terrific. We were going to move to a different location here yes. uh, as to not be interrupted so we can pull out some of our gear here. Yeah, even though this is the Rodney Louis even though this cafeteria. Is a, well, you know, because I'm such a great human being here. Would you like your soda yes. water? Um, I'm such a great human being. I'm... Uh, letting others enjoy my cafeteria. So let me put this away. I think it's over on the other so side. Just to let people know what we're doing, we're walking around the, uh, the cafeteria. We're yes. going to be disposing of our trays and plates. Yes. We're putting them in the, the right area. Well, Rodney well, knows where to put them. I, I know where I'm going. I'm an experienced yeah. veteran because I did design my own cafeteria. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, we're we're uh, we're now exiting up. the yes Rod Rod Louis cafeteria the the uh, Rod Louis Memorial cafeteria. <laughs> I was say that, but right. Is that oh wind, uh, wind look, noise? You know what's so great? I mean, it, it, there's probably wind noise, but it's very quiet out here. It's very quiet, very quiet. But uh, we'll 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 go this way here. Okay. Um. Uh. But uh. So anyway, so I did buy that. The Vestax. Apple, uh, a Vestax oh, yeah. and, and an and iPhone. So I bought some pretty uh-huh. big things, but you know what? You're right. I mean, you know, we're talking about a, you know, potentially $800 lens here yeah. that is very fragile to begin with. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I just need to, maybe I just need to s- stop crying and just buy the, a brand new one. Yeah. It's and then if you have second thoughts, it. you could just send it back. Or, or, or like we've discussed before, lenses are one of those things that never really loses value. You're right. Yeah. So, unless you break them, which unless is why these sold them for five hundred sixty dollars. <laughs> right. Unless they've been exposed to some unknown uh, problem. Right. Unknown stimulus. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. I, 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 again, you've confused me completely. So now I will. <laughs> That's pretty much my I, role I, in life, Rod, is to, is to just. Well, you've, you've made a decision, and then I challenge it well, and confuse you, and make you doubt yourself. What's What's so excellent <laughs> is What's so excellent is that when you know I, I think of myself as not being uh, very easily swayed into things. <laughs> But that's obviously not the case. As you can see, my uh, they, they've erected a statue to me here You're in like our this. lobby. <laughs> What's that about? Who knows? I don't even know. It looks like a big statue of Bigfoot. I, it's either that or uh, like, yeah, I think it's Bigfoot or like some sort of like snow monster or something like that. I'm not going to take you to my floor. I'm going to take you to a different floor, okay. which is hardly inhabited. Good. And Let's it's, do it. It's where I usually take my naps. Uh, during, <laughs> I love to see your napping area. Right, my, my, my napping area. So uh, It's where you hide. Exactly. Well we'll, 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 we'll take this room here. See how dead this area is? And yeah. you can tell the audience can probably tell that 
that this no, is a, a really well acoustically treated and, and, space. And no ambient noise and yeah. stuff like well, that. Well, at least out right? there was. And here there's a little more. You think so? Yeah, that's okay, though. It doesn't matter. I think this worked well. This is good. So uh, I'll sit here for a little bit here. And, uh, you know, I think what I'd like to do is kind of take a look at yeah. some of the equipment. So I have a little, a small Tamarack bag. It's mostly for D, uh, DSLRs. Mm -hmm. And I got it, I probably got it like 10 years ago. But it's really a great bag. It's actually got a little waterproof pouch if uh, that holds a, or a pouch that holds some waterproof uh, covering, which I didn't bring with me, even though it's raining today. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Because um, <clears throat> it hasn't rained in California for like 25 years. Right. And then all and of a sudden, this All winter, of a sudden, the last week and a half or so, it's been raining like... Like crazy. Like oh, we haven't believed. Last night, I was just... I basically have been up since like 4 a.m. Oh, because it woke you up? Yeah, because the thunder and lightning. <laughs> and, and, and Friday is garbage day, so we put all our garbage cans out. Oh, right. And, right. So was, and I was just, I thought I heard, I think it was just the lightning, but I think, I thought I heard the garbage cans like rolling all over the street and opening up and dumping garbage all over everything and hitting my cars. <laughs> but that wasn't, the, I went out there and they were just all sitting there peacefully. <laughs> so it was weird. <laughs> It's just the tree snapping in half. <laughs> it could have been. It was, I don't know what that noise was. It was well, the thunder, it, it, I guess. It, 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 I mean, just the wind and the rain and the amount of rain was incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Anyway. That's good. Okay, so so I'm opening the bag, and we've got a bunch of different stuff in here. Um, what I did was I brought Rod the, um, the Sigma lens that he's in love with. Yes. Well, from afar. I am in love with this uh, from afar, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am holding the Sigma Art Lens 18 to 35 millimeter 1.8, and uh, this is the first time that I've actually seen it live and in person. It's pretty darn heavy. It's really darn heavy. I mean, this is way heavier than like the uh, GH1. Uh, what is that? 18 to 70 mill that comes that came with it you remember that one yeah so long ago yeah. well i brought you for reference uh-huh compare oh. the whole gh4 and a super a lens that's pretty much equivalent to this one to that one. Oh yeah i would say that the i would say that probably the GH4, GH4 fully equipped with a 12 to 35 lens on it probably feels about the same as the Sigma alone. Yeah. Probably feels like the Sigma alone. Yeah. And actually, if you look at the dimensions mm -hmm. side by side, see how much bigger the Sigma is than the, oh, actual, yeah. the actual camera. If you just yeah. put the base of it yep. to, the, to the end of the camera, it's, it's mm -hmm. actually longer. Than yeah. the whole camera with the lens. Yes, this uh, the Panasonic 12 to 35 is essentially double the size in, in almost length. Almost. Yeah. Well, actually, no, this is the adapter part, so it'd be like... But you have to have that adapter. Yeah, you have to have the adapter, right. Unless you get a Sony lens. <sighs> so thank you very much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Yeah. But I wanted to bring you some... Native lens. So I brought um, a few. Um, so this is an example of what you might, if you wanted to get a, uh, check this lens out. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
seems lighter. Do you think this is lighter than this? That seem, this one seems lighter, a little bit. I think this one's slightly heavier. Is it? Yeah. I have to bring my scale. They're, they're close. They're, they're pretty close. They're uh, close. Uh, so Keith has just uh, put in my hands the uh, Canon 24 mil. Uh, this is that go-to one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the that's the 24 millimeter that I really love. The 24 uh, uh, 1.4 Canon L lens. And this also has a Metabones adapter on it, yep. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's it, got the Metabones speed booster. So I was actually using that on my FS5. So I was kind of getting the equivalent of the, the widest range on the Sigma. Okay. And so the, if you put a speed booster on a 24, you wind up with an 18. Okay. That's pretty... And how does that 24 work with the speed booster? Pretty Great. well. It looks really good. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's maybe equivalent quality to this, maybe a little bit better. It's also faster, right? What is the... Because uh, it's, it's 1.4, so at the widest, at the, at the largest aperture, it's 1.4, then you mm -hmm. put the speed boost, right. it becomes like a 1.0. Mm -hmm. um, this can't be speed boosted. Right, the, sig the Sigma cannot be speed boosted. Unless you put it on the GH4. Right. <clears throat> and, then and have you tried that? I actually don't think I've tried that lens with it, but I brought a speed booster for my GH4. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I don't have the super ultra speed booster. Which is not the, which is, I think, the Mark IV, right? That's the one that everyone's. Yeah. I think I have an in. earlier version um, before they made that, but we could try it out. Okay. So if you want, you can do the honors. Sure. So Rod is actually take, um, taking the Metabone speed booster for the GH4, the Micro Four Thirds, and he's taking off. The native micro four thirds lens, the twelve to thirty-five. Uh, how how fast is that one? Is it it's two point eight? Two point eight. So not not well. It's pretty fast, but it's, two point eight. Yeah, you know, not bad. But with the speed booster and the Sigma, you'd wind up with something pretty darn fast. And then you'd wind up with a like a one point four with a speed booster in the Sigma or something in that range. So you're gonna have to take off the Sigma. Oh, I have to take off yeah. the Sigma, okay. Yeah, because that's an EF adapter. Uh -huh. So Rod's just taking off the Sigma. I'm trying to figure out how MC to do that. Was that just click this thing here? Yeah, just push up towards you. Push up. Towards you, I think. Let me see. Sorry, Rod. Oh, sorry, this one. A little, little too difficult yeah. here. I'm, I, might, <laughs> I might not purchase this. this too. <laughs> it requires a little lever push. Sure about that? Yeah. So you go like that and then you twist. Oh. That seemed Pull embarrassingly towards. easy. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then, okay, so this, this guy right here. Is this supposed to be like that? I think so. Did it click? Nope. I didn't hear it click, but I think it is. Okay. So I'm powering up the GH4 right now with a Metabones speed booster and the Sigma Art 18 to 35. Is it on? No. Is there batteries in this? I hope there's batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Did I put a dead battery in? Quite possible. <laughs> Sorry, Rod. 
That's all right. right. <laughs> okay, I guess we're not going to find out. <laughs> I'll have to wait till next time. Well, we'll have to uh, wait till the next installment of Ro Lunch with Rod. Sorry, Rod. I That's just right. took a fresh battery out of the charger. I didn't uh, even turn on the camera. That's right. Sorry about that. It was a good effort, but... <laughs> the, the, anyway, but you could at least get the feel of it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is what you could... This could be your alternative, right? So this is kind of like kind of like what you were thinking of getting from an optical point of view. Yeah. But just on a micro four-thirds body. Right. Uh, so you, you, you know what, Keith? Here, here, here's one thing that... Okay, here, here's what threw me is because everything that I've been listening to other podcasts, other uh, experts and things like that have been talking about is the fact that, you know, the GH5, uh, the images, the video images are going to be tremendous, right? Well-lit situation is, is going to be great. Probably the processor is a little bit better, like we talked about. Than the GH4, yeah. Than the GH4. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that'll be good. Mm. Uh what is not what I am not hearing though is like what how I want to use the camera, yeah. which is most likely uh, stills and video. Yeah, combo. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think most people are going to buy the GH five are probably just going to use it for video only. Um, Very rarely will they use will they use the still functions. I mean, unless you're what maybe using that burst mode that that they wanted that six K. I mean, it's it's a hybrid camera, and mm -hmm. and the stills are beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've I've shot professional photos on this camera uh, on the GH four that are super sharp. Really, and they yeah. just look great. They look really really good. They're very very sharp. Mm -hmm. They're very very sharp. I mean, maybe not as shallow depth the field mm -hmm. as as the larger sensors. But you know, with this combo, you can get, you can kind of get, you can start getting to the pretty shallow depth of field. Mm -hmm. right, this is right, starting right. to emulate a, at least an APS-C sensor size right now. Mm -hmm. But now this combo is going to cost you. So you have the eight hundred dollars for this, right? For the Sigma, for the Sigma, right? And you have another six hundred dollars for the Speed Booster, right? So already you're up to fourteen there, right? And then you have two thousand for the body, right? So of now the you're GH5. up to thirty-four. Yeah, now too much. To thirty-four. That's too but, much. So you're $600 over your budget. Yeah. Too much. But you have a whole bunch of lenses already for your GH4. I do. I do. So, and, and I don't have bad ones either. They're they're okay cuz yeah. I have that uh uh was that the 24 mil or, or something like that. That's uh -huh. a It's a pretty fast one. It's pretty fast. Yeah. Um and you know, also the 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 kit lenses that come with it were were fairly decent. Yeah. So I know. You, so you've got a little investment in those lenses, and you, and you don't have those for the for the Sony's, and all the le Sony lenses are going to cost you. Right. You know, the, the le even the least expensive Sony lens is still going to be, you know, five hundred bucks or around there. Right. That's worth getting. Right. 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 Exactly. But anyway, so give you an idea there. Okay. So that's that's the kind of your your lens from afar. Right. That you now see in your hands and see right. how it is. But this is this is not light. I mean, this is not. It's not light. No, 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 no. no. But this is no. going to be pretty much what your right your your camera is going to be like. Correct. Either way, which in all way. reality is not it doesn't seem much different than the GH1, right? So yeah, it's pretty similar. Pretty similar. It's a little slightly more, a little bit bigger. Right. I I, I think without a doubt, I think the uh, the hand grip 
on uh, on this GH4, which from what I understand is even a little bit bigger on the GH5. Yeah, it's so actually it's, quite nice yeah. here. It's very ergonomic. B better, better than the GH1. Better than GH1 and yeah. way better than the A6500. Yeah. The A6500 is much smaller than, than this ergonomically. I'm, I'm handing him the A7R2. I am right now holding the A7R2 with the 18 to 105 uh, G Master lens. Yeah. And I and I know the uh, the A6500 does not have this robust of a hand grip. Right. It's it's smaller. It's and a little more bit edgy, smaller. More edgy. Although a little bit better than the 6300. Is it? From okay. from what I understand, okay, it's it's better than the 6300, mm -hmm. but not as good as the A7 series. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just moving Rod's recorder so I can kind of monitor his level because I noticed that everything's just a little bit louder now. That's because we're in a nice controlled environment yeah. now. Yeah. So and Rod is speaking at his normal boisterous level. <laughs> in, in the cafeteria, he was a little intimidated. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was shy <laughs> in, the, in the cafeteria because I, I'm amongst my people there. So that's what it is. Yeah, I, I like this. You know, and um, have you read anything newer? Well, see, we're not really going to be able to tell until around March, April. Yeah. Because GH5, we're, we're, we're talking about it not being uh, ready for shipping till about that time. Right. So until we get that, you know, until we get those production models out here, we're not going to know how, how good the ISO is going to be, how good the low light is going to be, right? so on and so forth. So still jury is out on still that. Jury is out and, and haven't seen a lot of low light, really great low light um, demos. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, you, know, uh, um, I, you know, I would like to see uh, more stills, you know, because when the 6500 came out, the Sony 6500 came out, you know, uh, and they invited all those folks to, you know, to different events, indoor concert, outdoor rodeo, mm -hmm. action, uh, you know, basketball games, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Those stills really look terrific, mm -hmm. nice and sharp, yep. not, not, you know, r really, really great. Yep. I wish they would do that with the GH5 and show us what, what that can do too. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in, in various I think they're still, I think they're still kind of tweaking it a little bit. I think the A6500 has a similar flip-out LCD. It does, which, yeah. which is just a tilt. And which is really lame. But it's okay. Yeah. You get used to it. You, you, you really kind of... So, so the difference between the, G, the GH series and the A7 or the A series is that the LCD is fully articulatable on the GH. Right. Which it makes it really convenient for different angles. And, and you know, in, in my mind, ever since the GH1, that was one of the greatest features of the thing. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Uh, I know Canon copied them mm -hmm. after that, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. for a while, uh, the screens were not fully articulating. Right. It was very much like the Sony's, right. correct? Well, it, was, it didn't even move. It didn't even move. And even still on the highest end ones, they don't move. Even now? Yeah, even now. The only, the only ones that move are the lower end um, cannons. So I guess they figure out that pros don't need articulating screens. <laughs> pros it's, are beyond that. It's beneath them, <laughs> even though that's what everyone wants, right? <laughs>
<laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. Ah, you know, I still think though, APS-C sensor is gonna outperform uh, uh, micro four thirds. I still think that. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. I I, I think, I think right. that for for my usage of combo and and when I say combo, uh, I'll say I probably shoot. 50% stills, 50% video. Yeah. Uh, I, th I, th I think the Sony is, is still looking pretty good for me. It is. Now, here's the thing. Oh, no. Let's let's put this combo back together that, that's your dream combo. Okay. Well, actually, no. Let's, we're gonna, I'm going to just show you. Let's try to do a little focusing because the focusing system on the A7R2 is, is pretty similar to the 6500. Correct. The 65 might be even better. Okay. But it's but it's similar. Okay. So we're gonna turn this on. And I'm just gonna put the ISO to auto on my A7R2. Okay. And so and okay, so one so we're just we have a press focus. Um, so you can point at things and press focus and see how well now this is the native Sony lens. It's just the kind of kit lens that came with my FS5. It's the 180105. Oop. That's okay. So Rodney's just kind of moving, focusing on different things and seeing how fast it focuses. Oops. And basically when the, when the little box is green, it means it's focused. Now this is an important thing for Rod because he wants his autofocus performance to be really good. Although it's not, hmm. So I, when I, unlike the, GH series, the halfway depressed to get that seems to be better on the on the GH series. It could be. The, the, this one seems like I'm it's pretty much. That's why I'm taking. Yeah. That's why I'm taking all these pictures. Yeah. There's other buttons you can use for that. You can. Um, okay. Yeah. I just don't have them set up that way, but you can. Yeah, I have this set up for video mostly. Okay. So I go between manual and autofocus with the little this little button. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I go it's almost here. like the f your function button. Yeah. So when it's when it's on when you see the red uh, peaking, it means it's in manual focus. But the problem is, is that the Sony lenses don't manually focus very well. At least this this particular one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you got you got that idea. Got so we're going to turn off the A7R2, okay. and then we're going to replace it with the combo, the Sigma and the uh, the Sigma combo. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to turn it off. We're going to take things apart. You can put the Sigma back on here. Rodney's actually practicing putting together one of his choices of camera. What am I trying? If he has, is, is it this one? He still seems to have a hard time yeah, this, actually removing the adapters. I, yeah. They're not removable. Once, they, once, once they're, they're on, they're on. Kind of like when I broke off the... Uh, I don't want to break it. Here. It's okay. I might actually break it. It's pretty tight on the on the meta bones. Okay. Let's, let's see. And I'm going to give Rod the A7R2 like back. I'd like a A7R2. Let me take this off here. This is really good radio. This this is fantastic radio. Rod's taking off the native Sony lens. Taking off his native Sony lens. And now I'm about to put on the MC11 
uh, Sigma adapter, which is attached already to the, the uh, art lens, and I'm going to put it now onto the A7R2. And quite a bit heavier. A little bit. I, 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 I could I could really feel you yeah. really need two hands to do this. Yeah. And I'm putting my fingerprints all over the screen. That's right okay. Now. That's okay. I've got a protector on that screen, so just do this in case you wanna manually focus it. Okay, so now same same mode. We'll turn it on and see how you know, I actually like the focusing with the with the Sigma better it's than smooth. I do with the G lens. The actual mechanism, yeah. Seems to be pretty darn quick with this thing, uh -huh. and, and it's it, it, that half depressed that I told you I was mm -hmm. complaining about. It seems to work better mm -hmm. using the MC11. Okay, so so take some take some shots and we'll review them and see if they're focused. So are they going green? Yep. Great. So what's the aperture? Yeah, let's, let's, let's let's make the aperture super. Shallow, okay, but with this, I can zoom this dial for it. So this adjusts the aperture here, and let's increase the shutter speed a little bit, just to here. Let's let's do my usual test here. Okay, so we're going to increase the shutter speed to one twenty-five. Just okay. Okay, so we're not going to just test some still autofocusing capability with this particular lens. No, that looks pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was focusing on. So what were you focusing on? Right. The bubble? That's, yeah, the strap. Just okay. the strap. Pretty darn clear, huh? That looks really great. Okay. What were you focusing on there? I think uh, the lens. The lens? Yeah. Okay. This is my viewfinder versus sure. uh, this button normal oh, okay. when I'm in video mode. Right. That's what happened there. So let's go back there. That looks great. Look at that. You could, yeah, I think it looks great. And pretty good low light. Slightly noisy, but mm -hmm. slightly noisy. We could, we could have probably improved. It oh, here. but are you kidding? I mean, I would take that day and night over what I get. Yeah. Mm. Not bad. I think it looks pretty darn good. Yeah. It, uh, you know what? I think that lens combination is not bad. It's good. I think the lens combination is pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, it's showing me that I don't need a metabones. Right. I could I could certainly save half that dollar amount if you get MCL, if if you get the sigma lens, if I yes. get a sigma lens yeah that's correct I yeah. mean you know uh, have you tried it with your Canon lenses because um, some work some do not yeah I haven't really done a full extensive test uh, I'd like to see that test one of these days okay uh, not here but I'd like I'd, I'd like you to try that okay because apparently it works just as good. With Canon lenses, but a few of them. A few of them, not all. Of them. Not all of them. Not all of them out of the box. So, okay. so that actually should attract you to it to be able to use some of your Canon glass. Yeah. With this, because I, I think it's supposed to. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll try it. I mean, I have the Metabones, so I, I haven't right. had the need to right. try to do much testing. Exactly. But um, uh, you know, but the quickness of the autofocus is is nice, though. It is really really. It is nice. very nice. It is really nice. Well, Keith, I want to thank you for uh, for uh, this new segment that we've just created, Lunch with Rod. 
And uh, nice thank you very much for coming out here. Thank you for spending lunch time with me. It's my pleasure, Rob. Uh, uh, and it's been Always. a lot of fun to do this uh, show and tell. And I hope that we could do it again. Okay. <laughs> Am I going to be escorted out of the building now? You will be. You okay. will be. Uh, okay. Not by me, but the big guy lefty in the back. <laughs> <laughs> who's, uh, who's who's got the, who's twirling the the, the uh, Billy Club uh, around his fingers? But uh, I feel I feel somehow unsatisfied because I kind of almost feel like you're not quite as confused as you were when we started. No, in fact, I think you're actually making it quite clear. About <laughs> I, I, I I I think you might have just solidified my thought that a sixty five hundred Sigma NC eleven Sigma Art one point eight eighteen to thirty five. I still think that's the that's the way to go. I really think so. I really think so. I think that it's at a price point that is not going higher. Right. Uh, You know, my twenty eight hundred dollars. That's pretty much with your recommendation. Buying everything new. Don't worry about it. Just be happy with it. Yeah. And and live with that for another six, seven, nine years. Whatever I do with these things. Yeah. I think that might be the end. I think that's the answer. And you're okay with this bulk. This level of yeah. work. It's a pretty significant up- upgrade from your, what you're used to. Without a doubt, it's heavier. Yeah. Without a doubt, it's heavier. But from what I think I can get out of it versus what I get now, yeah. using a micro four thirds. It's just mainly light sensitivity, autofocus, yep. shallow depth of field. Yep. That's what you're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And in, in, all, in all accounts, the, the 6500 in this combo is going to probably be better. I think so. Than the GH4. I think so. GH5. GH5. Oh, yeah. Although, you did throw a little wrench in the mechanics because then I started to think, why don't I just get a GH4? Oh. Why in the world would I need 422 color space? Why would I need 10-bit? Why would yeah. I need... You probably don't need that. The only thing you probably need out of the GH5 is the better low-light capability. Better low-light capability and, and the image stabilization in body. Yeah, in body, right. right. Which is essential with this lens combo. Right. Because it doesn't. the Sigma doesn't have stabilization. Which then points back to the A6500. Or the GH5. Or the GH5. But uh, we already know that's too much. That, that's beyond yeah, what I want to Yeah, that's true. Say. That's, so that's that's, just, just, that's the it's decider. It's, it's that's it. the decider. With your it's budget, it. if it's an absolute limitation, right? It's probably the decider. I mean, okay, so you know, could I get a GH five Metabones and a Sigma lens for three thousand dollars? The answer is no. The answer is no. Not not in a speed booster, right? Not a speed booster, right? Because yeah. the speed boosters are going to be six hundred bucks, right? Yeah. You're gonna be. And, and that's, you're gonna be. But you're only gonna be a couple hundred dollars over. But with tax and license, I'm probably gonna be more like four hundred bucks over. Well, if you can buy it, you know, out of state or something, then yeah. you don't have to pay tax. Yeah. That's what I usually do. Yeah. Don't IRS. I actually don't do that. I'm just <laughs> lying for the podcast, just to be dramatic. Well, I didn't show you a couple of the lenses, but that's fine. We can show you next time. This is the teeny little E mount um, lens that will go on here. I would like this to would see. be good for a gimbal. Okay. You know, stuff like that. I would like to see that sometime, yeah. but yeah. Uh, you gotta go. I, I, I must you, go. Your uh, lunch is em- over. Your with. employees are my employees are dying for me to make my appearance again. Yeah. So I'm zipping up my bag and putting stuff away. Well, security is tapping at the door. Keith Morrell, I want to thank you very much for joining me here at my workplace, and thank you for joining us on our first installment of Lunch with Rod. Uh, I have been Rod Louie, and this has been Tech Move. We're going to come back with more 
of uh, maybe real in-studio type of segments. What do you think? Rather <laughs> think than so. this remote stuff. I think so. Fantastic. Okay, so we're going to come right back and we'll do more of this right here on Tech Room. Keith, I want to thank you again for joining me at my own personal cafeteria. It was, uh, it was, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I can't say that it's ultra delicious, but I do know that for sure it is fit for human consumption. So, you know, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And well, you, least... and, and you hardly paid for it. I think that it was very nominal, as like only. $30 for the two of us or something it was, like that. Yeah, it was amazingly inexpensive. Obviously, it's subsidized by, by you. Yes. Um, you know, since you own the company and yes. the cafeteria. Yes. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, but it was, the main thing was just nice to see you. Nice yeah, to spend time it, with you and, in person. I agree with that. And it's so nice that, you know, because we do do so many of these podcasts together and to finally do it in person is a uh, is a real and rare treat. So thanks for coming out all that way to to spend time with me. It was it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, we had to wear name tags to recognize each other. When we yes. first saw each other. Well, oh, oh, right. Well, you know, <laughs> I saw you from across the the parking lot and going, "Is that Keith? Is, is, is that him?" Not really too sure. But uh but it all well, worked out well and uh and, and you know it was a great time. I want to thank you for uh really carting along pretty much the same equipment that you cart along <laughs> on all your mobile shoots uh because uh that was actually very helpful to me. I mean you brought a lot of equipment, some worked, some didn't. <laughs> yeah, I but, I but we'll get, I made we'll, a get big... in, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment here, which was a lot of fun. Big big snafu when I uh, brought my GH4 all all decked out and then uh, I had loaded a dead battery into it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and that's the thing I really wanted to see, right? right was the GH4 yeah, with the like, oh. you know with the meta bones and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, that was really disappointing. Oh well. But, oh well. I mean, uh, uh, but what was great was seeing uh, the Sony's and the APS-C sensors with a with a Metabones with a Sigma MC11. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I thought that those that was very very uh, helpful and and good as well. Yeah, you could kind of get the the weight and feel of it. The A7s are a little bit heavier than the A6500 that you're thinking of getting. Right. A um, little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, but over you know not much so it's you get, I, kind of get an idea for 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 me it's you know i i can get an idea because i think it's probably a little bit closer to my gh1 body uh it's pretty, it's the, really similar the a6500 right is, yep. uh, is very similar yeah um and, and and so you know with that i kind of have a feel because that's the kind of space that i still want to be in you know at the end of the day yeah somewhat smaller not too huge not not DSLR sized, but mirrorless sized. And I think uh, yeah. you know it's probably safe to say that it won't be GH five size because I think GH fives is a little bit bigger too. Yeah, and we can talk about that later. I, yeah, 
you know, we we'll have talk. a little surprise at the end of this segment. Sure, 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 sure. Of, of course, as as always, our segments are always loaded with surprises. But uh, no, it, it it was fantastic to get a get a feel for uh, uh, for the APSC sensor, which I've never uh, experienced before. Uh, it was very very nice to get one in my hand, and really more uh, to the point was the Sigma art lens that I got a chance to to uh, touch. Yeah. And get a feel for, and uh, you know, Keith, it, it's a it's a really beautiful lens. It really is really nice. It feels solid. It feels, uh, you know, it has that nice weight to it and stuff. But on the other hand, that could be a detracting factor for me. Is the weight issue? It's a pretty big honking heavy lens. It's a big yeah. lens. It's a big. Yeah. It's a big lens. And, um, you know, and, and I have to be uh, honest with you as far as the Rod Louis cheapness that, uh, that plagues this podcast, uh, you know, uh, for a, what is it? It's an 18 to 55. Is that right? 18 to 35. 18 to 35. Yeah. With that kind of weight. Yeah. I mean, for that kind of weight, I thought it'd be at least like a 210 or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you know what makes it heavy is the fact that it's just such a fast lens. It's yeah. a one point eight, right? So that's what that's what kind of makes it unique. The fact that the fact you can open the aperture so big, um, and, and constant and constant too, which is a yep, big deal. Yep, and constant, and it's actually kind of par focal. Which par focal for those that don't know means that uh, when you zoom in and focus, if you zoom out or at any point in the range, it will still stay in focus. And it actually that's not really very common for stills lenses. So it's a big advantage for video shooters to have yeah. something that's par focal yeah. so yeah so the fact that it's par focal the fact that it's uh, really fast um makes it kind of big and heavy yeah and and, and, and i i could not uh uh be more pleased with the quickness of uh, uh you know and and frankly f for really both adapters right the metabones and the sigma work both pretty well i have to say yeah they're both they're both excellent adapters. I'm, I I think for Sigma lenses, I think the Sigma adapter is pretty darn great. Right. Um, it's a lot cheaper. Well, it's about half the price of the Metabone. I think half. Yeah. One of the things that I think is better about it is I think it's actually made better. My 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 overall feeling about it is it's actually made better than Metabones. Interesting. Um, and I think yeah, and I think it's just because they you know Sigma is this huge lens company. And they have years and years of machining and, and all this great industrial design. You know, it takes a lot of expertise to create good lenses. You know, lots of perfection in the in the fabrication process. And Metabones is just this little company that's all they do is make these adapters. You know, and and they're made in China and they probably started out kind of cheap and you know get they're gotten better better over the years. But um, I I just have the I feel like the tolerances and things on the on the Sigma adapters are actually finer than the Metabones. Like the quality control and the 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 variances are much narrower and smaller than than on the Metabones. When when, so, when you when you have them in your hand, uh, which I did, uh, you know, I bought I thought both were very quality units, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, you know, and Metabones is certainly has that name edge when it comes to these types of adapters and and uh, uh, and types of things and uh, but I, I think you're right when if, if you have Sigma lenses the Sigma adapter 
heck, it better work pretty good, right? It better yeah. it better work good with it. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm just wondering how the Sigma adapter works with maybe some like Canon lenses or you know or something like that to mm-hmm. uh, to your E mount. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess there's information out there on the internet about that. I personally haven't done a lot of testing. All I know is that, just in general, the, the adapters don't work too well with Canon lenses. Uh, I, and and I think from what I've read, it it really depends on the lens. Yeah. Right. I mean, like if you have an older lens, a vintage lens, maybe not so great. If you have something that's maybe a little bit newer, what have you, uh, it it, it can work really really well with the Sigma adapter. Yeah. And and the thing that well the thing that's actually kind of cool about both is that they're firmware updatable. Um, I think Sigma is not going to go out of their way to make things work with Canon stuff. Yeah. There's just not there's no reason for them to. Right. They don't they don't make much money on their adapters on the Sigma the 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 adapter we're talking about. They're making money on the lenses. Right. So they just want to sell Sigma lenses. So they're not gonna, you know, I don't know if they're going to go out of way to to to. Uh, disable functionality on canon lenses <laughs> yeah but but they're probably, not exactly going to try and make it work 100 percent as they do with the sigma lenses i am really doubting it i'm doubting they have a lab full of canon lenses that they have a test department testing right. and and but they do have that for the sigma lenses so yeah so you kind of but the fact is it's pretty inexpensive so what the sigma lenses yeah or the sigma um the sigma uh, adapter? adapter oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's not really that big of an investment to just get one for your sigma lenses if you have happen to have one or two right sigma lenses and then get a metabones for the for the canons well but but on the reverse side of things the metabones works pretty well with sigma lenses does it not um again i'm not sure okay i'm not sure i i i thought that i saw some tests where metabones work pretty well with the sigma lenses yeah. So I, you know, so if you get, you know, and I think that's the whole thing too. If you get a Metabones adapter, at least this is what I think. If I were to buy one, like a Mark IV or something like that, um, that'd be it. Yeah, you would need to get the Sigma. I wouldn't need to at that yeah. point, right? Yeah. I've already invested the money in that adapter. You know, try and get you know whatever lenses you can on it, and 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 you know, work it at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's a good strategy. Yeah, all right, good. So, well, yeah. hey, but it it was great to see you. It was fantastic. It was a lot of fun, and it was great that you brought, you know, all the equipment, <laughs> and especially, uh, you know, being able to walk around with uh, lavalier mics on us while yep. eating lunch. That was a lot of fun too. So yep. we we hope that our listening audience uh, was completely nauseated by our uh, chewing and swallowing and so on and so forth. We'll probably get some complaints. <laughs> There's a bunch of complainers out there that sure. just, um, yeah. The the so the recording itself was was okay. Um, I went through it and you know did some post production on it. You'll hear hear it. It wasn't obviously optimal quality because we're not in a studio close to mic environment like like now. Right, we were in open air kind of yeah. like open room. Lot With was there a lot noise. was there a lot of reverb uh, and background noise in our recordings? Yeah, there was, um, you know, just a lot of background noise. It was, um, there was reverb in the cafeteria and and just a lot of people talking and ambient reverb and stuff from them. But you know what? That's really important because uh, that's our live studio audience that we had. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. that's what I'd like to say is our live studio audience that was uh, in yeah. attendance. Yeah, it was like dinner theater. 
but um <laughs> yeah so 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 one of the things that um like for paying gigs and, and if the quality is audio quality is really important i will usually um when one person's talking i'll i'll reduce the level on the other mic and that way that you don't get a lot of bleed from the other mic right um and it just makes the the person that you want to hear a lot clearer and then vice and ver- vice versa so like if you're talking, I'll reduce my mic. When I'm talking, I'll reduce your mic. I didn't do that a ton because we're kind of talking back and forth and it's really tedious and time-consuming to do that. Right. Although I have done that for projects. I didn't do it so much for this one. Um, so there's a little bit of a little bit more ambience and extra noise and reverb and stuff than there should be. And then for some reason, there was a little bit of distortion clipping, on mostly on your mic. Of course, because I speak the loudest. <laughs> You have a lot of dynamics in your voice. I do. Thank you yeah. very much. You're a very dynamic person. Thank you. And Thank you. um but that's a pain for post production because I had to <laughs> no, Right. Right. No, yeah, yeah. I mean I mean you should be putting me through a limiter or some sort of gate I, or something like that. That's that would really be best. I should have you know what I should have done is put you through these little um kind of adapters that I made myself which have a little attenuator on one channel. Mm. It splits the signal and attenuates one channel quite a bit mm. and then doesn't attenuate the other channel and then and i use this for when i record work, record people in the field a lot because you want to have like one safety track that's kind of low and another one that's pretty hot so if they're whispering you, you use that track like the left track and if they're because that's the louder track and then the right track you'll you'll use if they're talking really really loud because they won't distort but i didn't do that i just was doing it really quick and and so what i actually wound up doing was putting some of it through this um d-clip thing with the isotope oh yeah and that actually works amazingly well. It somehow analyzes the waveform and 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 kind of smooths it out, so it takes the clipping away. You know, it's not perfect, but it actually improves it a lot. So I like the I like the Isotrope uh, products. I wish I just knew how to use it. I, uh, I I I need to sit down with you and and have you give me a a, a lesson on how to set it up. Yeah. Well, they um. Yeah. I we'll we'll go over it sometime. It's it's fairly straightforward. Yeah. Um, they actually also have plugins for Premiere and and Final Cut. Oh, cool! Yeah, and okay. um, yeah, I actually recently just bought the plugin pack, the new plugin pack. They had a special on like Christmas time. So, well, I guess it wasn't that recent, but yeah. <laughs> in, in Tech Move podcast. Oh yeah, uh, no, that's then that was just yesterday. That's so like that's, dog years. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Good. So, um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So I, that's how I mixed it. So, uh, you know, not the best audio, but people get the idea sure no yeah. and, and and you know it, I, I, really uh folks we were really walking around this cafeteria <laughs> so I, I i think other than uh putting out our dictaphone tape recorders th- this was about as good as it was going to get frankly right i mean you know without an entire crew following us around with booms we weren't really going to be able to you know get too great of a thing and I think uh, it, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it turned out fantastic. Yeah. Next time, I promise. Next time, the audio will be superlative. Because well, now, now I know how 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 what, how your voice is up a uh, live situation. Yes. I'll be able to bring the duct tape and right. rope <laughs> and little little shocking stimulant devices right. when necessary <laughs> along. So it'll be much better. Good. Good. good no. <laughs> Too loud. <laughs> You're well, clipping. <laughs> you, you, you know, it, and it's and it's going to be fabulous because we will be doing uh, more of these lunches with Rod. 
uh, segments. And uh, so I think that uh, we, we will have plenty of opportunities to uh, make this the, the, the way that we want. So Yep, yep. That'll, that'll be great. Um, Keith, let me move on to something that I had just read in the news, which I, I of course, I instantly thought about you. Uh, when it came out and it hit the news wires and Apple is yet again teasing us on a new Mac Pro. Yeah. Uh, They are going to supposedly, uh, I I think from what I read, I think they're going to change it from garbage can style to maybe something else. Um. You know whether or not it, you know it's a round cylinder or a oblong triangle or maybe a star design. You know we're really not quite sure because Apple is probably not quite sure yet. But it's supposed to be some sort of you know grand update from the last uh, Mac Pro, which was what twelve two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen or something like that. 2013 was 2013. The trash can. It was a trash can model. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we're probably not going to see it this year. I think it's like early next year. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely not this year. I'm not sure how early next year it's going to be, but it will be at the soonest next year. So 2018. They're not. They're not really telling us anything yet because I'm sure they're just putting ink to paper right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, your, your thoughts on, you know, you, you've been through this, uh, roller coaster ride of emotions Mm -hmm. for the, the, the better part of, uh, well, I mean, since the 2013 model, how many years before that, uh, was there an update, uh, from, from a Mac pro to the garbage can model? Um, well, the previous one was 2010. Yeah. Was, was the, the, the design that I have. Right, and that that continued all the way to 2013 until they until they released the trash can. Right. So, but you know, I I really didn't I didn't really want a different design. You know, the outside I didn't, I didn't care how big, bulky, or or you know, not as elegant maybe as 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 a trash can, mm-hmm. but way more in my opinion, way more practical than yeah. the trash can. The trash can is like, yeah, if you want to take your little trash can around and then to different sites and then plug it in, the little dongles in to make it work with something, that's great. Yeah. But, but Mac Pro is not. I don't think a Mac Pro is meant for that. You know, get get a MacBook Pro if that's what you want to do. Yeah. You know, bring your, you know, fairly powerful MacBook Pro to wherever you want. And you can do lots of stuff. Yeah. But uh, don't, you know, you don't need need to bring your trash can. Besides, you're gonna have to bring all this extra stuff anyway to make it actually work. Right. You know, like a monitor maybe and drives and cables and dongles and, you know, extra stuff. So you, you wind up bringing a lot of stuff anyway. Just right. the computer happens to be kind of small and light. So bring your MacBook Pro. See, you know? the, th- the thing that I also I think caught my eye about it was that how they said they were going to make it more friendly for people who wanted to do uh, updates or upgrades to it. Which kind of led me to believe that maybe it might be like your Mac Pro, right? Where it was this kind of like traditional tower type of thing. Maybe they're going to bring that back because, as you know, the trash can is such where you know you can't really work on it. No, it's it's you can add RAM to it. Maybe add um, more drives, uh, the little SSD drives that go into it. Yep. But other than that, it's totally unupgradable. 
Yeah. And the thing is that the upgrades, if you want to upgrade the cards, you're relying on these other non-Apple card manufacturers to to produce specially designed cards that fit into it because regular cards don't fit into it. So you're rel- it's just it was just doomed. I feel <laughs> I feel like it was just doomed. I I feel like when I saw it, that's why I didn't get one. It's like, eh, right. why bother? Right. You know, in a year it's going to be obsolete anyway, and they're not going to update did it. Yeah. And ATI is not going to keep coming out with new cards for it. And know? it's and it's so expensive to begin with too. Yeah, it's really really overpriced, and you know you can't do anything to it other than what Apple allows you to do. I mean, it's like getting an iMac kind of. You probably yeah. even less less versatile than an iMac because I think it's less. Actually, yeah, I think it's less than an iMac because uh, yeah. remember I was able to upgrade mine quite nicely. Yeah, and uh, mine's still running strong. So yeah, just because there's so much, you know, there's just more room. Like the little trash can is just so compact, and every single square centimeter is filled with stuff right and all that stuff is custom packed in there and designed and packed to, to, to fit in there so just doomed doomed idea from the start i feel sorry for the people that bought them um <laughs> i feel like my my computer now is just as fast as or faster than those because i can put in high-end late the latest nvidia graphics cards into mine and right with your old trash can you can't do that you have to use like three-year-old graphics cards right so yeah, just doomed, doomed. So, yeah, I would be totally ecstatic if they just came out with an updated version of the box that I have. Yes. You know, new motherboard, Thunderbolt right. instead of instead of uh, you know how to put card. Well, actually, mine can't even support Thunderbolt. Um, so yeah, Thunderbolt support, but still PCI uh, support, faster uh, CPUs, faster memory, and other buses and stuff that are in there. You know, still good power supply maybe more energy efficient because my mac pro draws a lot of power mm-hmm. it's just kind of like idling at 400 watts all the time you know so um is the is, yeah. is your mac pro pretty quiet it's yeah it's not as quiet as the trash can but it's darn quiet okay yeah even when it's working hard it's quiet it's sure. actually quieter than my my macbook pro okay because when my macbook pro starts working its fans start speeding spinning up right um yeah no it's and i have it in a space where it's kind of down and I have some acoustical kind of dampening around it, uh, kind of behind it. So noise that it comes out of the back is being kind of absorbed. But um, yeah, but I'm really happy with mine. Yeah. Um, you know, with all my upgrades and everything. Right. Um, actually, one of the reasons this kind of maybe segues to the next topic. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. So remember, I've been complaining about how crashy. Uh, Premier Pro has been, and I've just been oh, sick yeah. of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, you were even thinking of going back to Final Cut, I think. Yeah, I actually bought Final Cut. Um, oh, you did? 10. I bought Final Cut 10, yeah, because my 30-day thing ran out. Because okay. they have a 30-day trial, and then you have to pay for it. Okay. But, um, yeah, because I really thought I was going to have to go to it. Um, because literally Premier Pro was unusable. Like, was it? Really? It was becoming unusable to me i i would just get these first the screen would start getting kind of scrambled and then uh you know and then have to reboot and then it would just crash and it would do like kernel panic crashes not not like you know not like just simple the the app quit it was like shutting my whole computer down so i was just like what am i gonna do so i i was just searching for possible hints to solve the problem and i just did a search for um screen artifacts in premiere pro or something like that. Yeah. And 
because that was one of the the symptoms of it. It's like little blocks of the screen would get kind of scrambled. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, kind of like if you t- were a jig- jigsaw puzzle and you mixed up the the, pu- the puzzle pieces. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> and um, and so and then I found this really interesting thread um, on actually on the Adobe forums, um, and it, it was this people had the similar issues, you know how to solve it and they were complaining and how unstable it was, how it crashed. It'd start get this artifact, you know, all the stuff that I was experiencing. Wow. You know, and I, and it was a really long thread. It was like, you know, maybe hundreds of posts from dozens of people complaining and how to solve it. So one guy just said, here's what you need to do. Remove everything related to CUDA from your computer, mm-hmm. from your hard drive, mm-hmm. all the CUDA drivers, all the, all that stuff. And remember how I've been talking about how great CUDA is for yes. years. Yeah. And just for, to refresh people's memory, CUDA is just a, a way that programs can, especially um, Adobe programs, communicate directly with the NVIDIA cards to do fancy stuff to to offload the CPU and use the GPU that's on the video cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, but um, it's not really very. It's it's kind of kludgy on the Mac. Um, it's something that NVIDIA has totally designed and and supported and kind of made it work on the Mac. But the Mac's native interface that's very similar to CUDA, but it's just different, and it's Mac, it's Apple's native interface is called OpenCL. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's kind of the same thing. Programs use it to communicate directly with the card to ac- accelerate stuff. So, um, but, and initially, Premiere Pro didn't really support OpenCL too well. You know, it, it goes kind of like half-baked. Bi- half Adobe just didn't. Adobe thought that CUDA was better than OpenCL and just put, didn't put a lot of resources into it. Mm-hmm. But then, as as OpenCL became like the only alternative for a lot of Mac platforms, because uh, CUDA only works on NVIDIA cards, whereas OpenCL works on NVIDIA and on ATI cards. Mm-hmm. So there's just a bigger um, customer base. I think they just said, "Hey, we better start. Um, we better start supporting OpenCL." So now Premiere Pro pretty much does everything in OpenCL that it could also do in CUDA. They're pretty similar in, in the functionality. Mm. Um, so, um, but I would, I always thought that OpenCL was not as good as CUDA, and that's why I just never used OpenCL. Mm-hmm. Um, and also sometimes I chose OpenCL, and I'd still get these crashes. So I was like, I didn't think it was really... Because you can choose that in, in Premiere Pro. You can choose to use CUDA. You could decide how to use the Mercury playback engine, whether whether it uses CUDA or whether it uses OpenCL. Mm-hmm. So anyway, long story short, I read this post and I said, you know, I'm just at the end of my rope. I'm going to just try this. So I just yeah, search for anything with CUDA in it, all the drivers, all the libraries, all the little things that are all over, spread all over that the NVIDIA installs when you install their drivers. And I just deleted it all. I just trashed it all and, you know, made sure it was gone. <laughs> a full delete, full on just a delete full of delete of anything, even stuff that probably wouldn't matter because nothing's referencing registry just, clean everything. Yeah, kind of like the registry clean thing. Nice. Yeah, we're using a Windows reference, but it's kind of the same right. thing. Yeah, uh, and dangerous re- stuff is really what it is <laughs> because you could really screw up something. But yeah. go on. Yes. Well, what I did, I mean, I was. A little smart about it. I I put it into special folders and things that I could recover later if I wanted to. But basically, it's just the stuff that NVIDIA installs when you install their driver. Right. Um, and I deactivated CUDA and did all you know, just 
basically so and when I rebooted there was just no CUDA I couldn't even choose CUDA just CUDA did not exist but the the NVIDIA gra uh, graphics driver that aside from CUDA did exist so it was driving the screens fine and everything so just things that would call CUDA wouldn't work okay mm -hmm. so I'd have to use OpenCL instead and lo and behold my c computer became instantly super stable when using Premiere Pro well, really yeah and it was just as fast I didn't get a speed hit. I just got super smooth stability. So all those years of complaining about how lousy Premiere Pro was and how unstable it was and all this stuff was, in my opinion now, due to CUDA. Nice. Yeah. So the fact that I have no CUDA in my system, Premiere Pro has to use OpenCL, and it tells me that when I open an old project. It says, oh, this used to use CUDA, but it's no longer available. Do you want to use OpenCL instead? I said, yeah. So... It just tra transfers things over, and 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 now it's it's a joy to work with Premiere Pro. Really, like I actually love Premiere Pro now. So it's a new lease on life with uh, Premiere Pro now. It is, and honestly, when I was starting to endeavor to try to use Final Cut X yes. or ten, I I knew that it could be eventually good, um, but I don't feel like it could be as good as Premiere Pro in a lot of ways. Oh, okay. Um, I think I think when you get used to it and you get to use it, you, you find all these little workarounds to make your workflow well. And uh, and I think it probably is really, really quick once you adapt to their style of editing. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people say that they can edit a lot quicker on, uh, on FCP. But I find there's a lot of limitations with FCP. I find that the exporting of different types of formats is really limited. Um, it's very basic and simple and complicated to export anything than what Apple has decided it likes to export. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, doing audio mixing is also overly complicated. You know, it's not like a mixing board. Oh, really? It's like, no, it's they don't have, huh? yeah, they just have these track, this concept of tracks, and then you have to add effects to tracks. And it's really, I feel like it's really in, an indirect way of doing things. Mm. You know, it's kind of like what Apple did with the, the, the Trash Can Mac Pro. You know, they, they wanted to make this really elegant thing. But they threw away all the good stuff, you know. And I feel kind of like, like, Final Cut, ten is kind of like that too. Mm. I feel like they should have kept all the old good stuff, the audio mixers and all those things that FP, Final Cut seven had. Yeah. Leave all that stuff in. Have a legacy um, way of doing things if you want to, you know. Yeah. Don't just throw everything out and make you have to learn this new paradigm that's kind of less efficient in some ways. So. Anyway, I was just saying this is going to be a huge learning curve. I'm not going to be able to do anything for months. Right. Um, so, yeah. So since the stability thing happened with Premiere Pro with, with throwing out CUDA, um, now I I have no desire to use Final Cut 10. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry for all the Final Cut 10 fans that were hoping I was going to switch. <laughs> I'm just not going to. You're just not going why, to. Why would I? But did, but did you try it at least? I did. I and, did try it a few and, times. And, uh -huh. and okay, so so here maybe you can at least speak to that. Uh, the last time you used uh, Final Cut was probably what Final Cut Seven. Yes. Okay. So and then and then it went all downhill from there, right? After Seven, it was all downhill for for Final Cut until until we hit now. Uh, uh, is but, is ten somewhat? Uh, uh, getting there from when you last remember seven? Oh yeah. Well, when I so when I first tried ten, it was right when they came out with ten. 
um, you know, uh, right after they discontinued seven and then came out with ten. Yeah. And it was, it was like it was like iMovie. It was not, <laughs> it was not very good. <laughs> and it's still kind of like iMovie, but it's way more sophisticated. And you could do a lot more professional stuff with it now. Oh, they okay. added. They kept adding, adding, adding more and more and better, better, better stuff. Uh-huh. So now it's actually, you know, there are some professional shows and stuff that use it. So yeah, it's m- much more of a professional um, editing platform. Okay. It makes you jump through hoops, yeah. which I don't like. But some, if you jump through those hoops, eventually you get really good at jumping through those hoops, and they become natural, and and you get really good at it, just like anything. Um, but I kind of feel like I don't have time to learn the hoops. Right. right now, I just don't feel like it. And if and if final if, if Premiere Pro is is adequate, and and allows me to do all this stuff super fast, like I normally been my workflow and everything and my my way of working super fast, then why change? Yeah. You know. Right. Oh yeah. Why, sure. Why waste all that time? Well, so. you know, as one of our famous se- segments, uh, fix what's not broke. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised you're saying that, but nonetheless, uh, you're, you're you're right. I mean, you know. For for the learning curve like that, especially with your the, the way you work around uh, Premiere, uh, would would just be it would probably be like hand you'd probably be handcuffed. I would feel handcuffed for months until yeah. it 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 became clear how to use it, and yeah. and I still feel like there's things that you can kind of do in Final Cut Ten, but you you have to do a lot of things backwards to do it. Yeah. You have to kind of reverse engineer it to get it to do what you want. And then and maybe you'll just wind up not doing it because it's too hard or too much trouble. Um, and then in Premiere, you just do it because it's yeah. easy. Right. right. You know, Premiere is not perfect. It's got a lot of issues. Like it's still, in some cases, it'll just crash, but very, very rarely now for me. Um, and some some features that they should have added 10 years ago are still not there. Um, you know, like... You know, like applying. Um, so there's this concept called adjustment layers, which they introduced a few la- a few years ago, mm-hmm. and it's actually really cool. So you basically just create this thing called a, you could have a track, right? And say you want, like for example, that that video I showed you with the with the log, yeah, and unlog. So mm-hmm. you just create this adjustment track above the footage you want to affect. So like track one has the footage in it that's log, say, and then track two has this just one big clip. That's called an adjustment layer. And you add whatever effects you want to that. And one of those effects can be a, a LUT to unlog it. Oh, okay. So it's really it's really cool. Um, the problem is, though, that if you have multiple video tracks, which sometimes you do, you have multiple cameras, so you have multiple video tracks, that adjustment layer can't be targeted to a particular track. It just affects everything below it. So if you have, like, track one is is, like like uh, your A6500 and track two is your A7 mm-hmm. and they're slightly different color or whatever. They need to be adjusted differently because mm-hmm. they're not matched up perfectly. You, you And you put an adjustment layer on track three, it'll it'll apply that LUT to both tracks. And even it, it out? No. Well, it'll just t- take that LUT and it'll apply it to track two and to track one, but the LUT may not be perfectly adjusted for one camera. Oh, okay. okay. It'll affect them both equally. Oh, okay. So, so uh, that's not always good. Right. Um, it would be great to create an adjustment track that would target. You know, like, I want this tr- adjustment track to just affect track one. Right. I want this other adjustment track just to affect uh, affect track two. Right. Stuff like that. Right. So, you know, that kind of thing is super simple and would just ease so much, 
you know, so much post-production. There's a lot of little things like that. They're kind of really super simple and easy, and they just haven't done it because they're too busy creating new fancy features that nobody wants. Right. So, <laughs> anyway, that's my soapbox. But no, happy, like happy news. I'm really productive in Premiere Pro now for the last couple of months. And that's I'm great. Happy. That's yeah. great. No, that yeah. I, I I know that that that's always a, a big bother to you when when these things get switched up and you can't do one thing one day and <laughs> yeah it's and, just... and all this kind of stuff. So good, congratulations on that. Well, hey, kudos to um uh to the Premiere Pro folks uh for uh well actually I guess not really them but to uh OpenCL and you discovering all that stuff. Yeah. Kudos to the Premier Pro fo folks for for um, not doing something that I thought that they were doing for years. Let's uh, <laughs> let's switch gears, Keith. Uh, we 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 have some uh, important news here because coming up at the time of this particular recording, uh, in a, in I guess a couple of weeks, we're looking at NAB. Yes, uh, it is NAB season. Yes, and uh, of course uh, Keith Moreau will be live at the NUB uh, reporting uh, to all of us uh, new things, new uh, observations, hopefully new products. Yes, uh, and so Keith, uh, as uh, the representative of Tech Move, we'd like to kind of get your, uh, you know, maybe your forecast on what you think may be happening there. Um, you know, uh, you know, frankly, a lot of companies have already, you know, announced big things already. You know, what else can they possibly do? I'm wondering if, you know, we're really going to be just seeing more uh, updates to things, uh, accessories, so on and so forth. Your thoughts? You know, I just I haven't heard a lot of rumblings about much. Yeah. You know, I. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the cameras are just kind of all in the middle of their life cycles or or whatever, but I just I haven't heard a lot of rumors and it's we're starting to get pretty close to NAB. You know, usually like a month, maybe two weeks before there's a lot of rumors. Right. And there just really aren't any rumors. Yeah. You know exactly. There's stuff that was released. <laughs> although, although maybe Sony's going to announce the A6700 uh uh <laughs> at NAB. Who knows about that, right? I would I would love them to create some type of uh, GH5 killer. Uh, Sony to create yeah. a, a, a GH5 killer. Okay. I would love, yeah, like like a like a pro and like a four thousand. I would pay. So here's what I I pay four to five thousand dollars for uh, an A. I don't know an A9, something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like a Sony A9. Right. For, let's give it an. Uh, sure. And here's what it would have. It would have well all the stuff that the A7s have. Okay. Right. It would have at least as many autofocus points as the A6500 because the A6500 actually has more than the A7s. 400 plus, actually yeah. 420 plus, I believe. Yep. It would have built-in electronic ND, like the FS5 and the FS7 II have. Um, it would have 10-bit internal recording, like the GH5 has. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 10-bit 422. It would have a, a higher higher bit rate. Um, for that, at least 150, 200 megabits per second. Mm -hmm. um, and it would have unlimited recording time. You know, it wouldn't have that 30-minute time limit. Right. And it wouldn't overheat. <laughs> uh -huh. And it would be waterproof. 
or water resistant. Yeah. Um, and it would drive my car if I want it. No. <laughs> right. But no, it would be great if they came out. I would pay $4,000 for that type of camera. You know, I would I would pay an extra 500 for the ND and an extra 500 for the for all the other stuff. You know. Wow. They, I want them to come out with that that the new generation of hybrid uh mirrorless cameras. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know. Um and and also have a fully articulatable uh screen and a touch screen on the LCD. Sure. Well, cuz cuz now they don't have a touch screen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I'm not. I'm not sure if the A6500 does or not. It does, but remember, it's 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 somewhat limited. It uh, you you can kind of pull. You, you could tap focus okay. on it, but you can't do, um, like you can't access menu items through the touchscreen, which okay. is kind of goofy. Yeah. So so, so like all you can do is kind of pull focus off yeah. the touchscreen. Okay. Uh, but you cannot do anything menu wise or anything like that. Yeah. So anyway, so I would love for them to at least n- announce something like that. That would be really, really cool. And I think they have an impetus to because I think the GH5, with all the features that, ha- that it has, why not just add all that to Sony technology and, and get something really cool? So that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. they'll come a- announce an FS5 II, which could have all that in there. Um, that would be cool, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the FS5 II... Because right now I have the FS5 and it's cool, but um, it has some limitations on its internal recording. I'd love to have 10-bit internal recording like the FS7 has. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to have a, a in-body sensor stabilization on the FS. So if they came with the FS5 like that, that would also be really cool. It would probably be more expensive though. Yeah, it'd probably be like in the six thousand dollar plus range. Right, and at that point you'd pretty much have to kind of think about that. Yeah, at yeah. that moment. Yeah. Um, one thing else that was so there was been all the you know the GH5 was announced months ago the the Blackmagic uh, Ursa Mini Pro which I don't know if you if I told you about that I I had seen uh, uh, stuff on the Ursa Mini Pro okay uh, but I I'm I'm not uh, really super versed on it yeah so basically it's it's just kind of an updated Ursa Mini it's got supposedly the same sensor and image quality and everything as the, the Ursa Mini which was out. A year ago, well, re- really only started shipping maybe six months ago, but mm-hmm. but um, but they came out with this new Ursa Mini Pro, and the the main thing it has really is is a little bit better buttons on the outside, a little bit better viewing and ergonomics, but the main thing I think is that it's got a built-in uh, ND wheel, oh, you know, okay. just just like all the other camcorders in existence. So um, remember, I was telling you before that was the one one thing that it. It could have could have had, but it doesn't didn't. <laughs> yeah. And and they added it to it. Ooh. And it's pretty simple design. It's just like a click thing. You just kind of turn it. And it clicks to different three different stops of ND, just like most of the others. Um, that makes it a lot more useful. So, in fact, at NAB, I've already set up uh, an appointment to talk to them about oh, that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So that that'll be fun. Um, I used I was thinking I would get one because it's pretty darn cheap. It's still like six thousand dollars in that range, but the thing that holds me back is the low light performance. Not good. It's it's average. Well, it it it's a that's still a micro four thirds, is it not? No, no, it's actually um, super thirty five. Oh, super thirty five. Um, okay, maybe even right. bigger. It's just not 
I don't know, you know, the technology or whatever in the sensor. It's just not as sensitive as as the Sony's. Sure. So it's not as it's not as good as the Sony's or the Canons in 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 low light. So that makes it a little less versatile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if they came out with the Ursa Mini, the Blackmagic Ursa Mini Pro Low Light Edition, <laughs> I might be I might <laughs> I might get that one. Is is the uh. What's the size difference between the Ursa Mini Pro and, let's say, their very popular, um, was it the Blackmagic Pocket? Um, oh, yeah, that's teeny. Yeah, that's teeny. I mean, yeah. like, is, is Ursa Mini still a somewhat full size? It's it's pretty big. Okay. It's pretty big. So it's, it's just like the Ursa, just a little smaller than the Ursa. Um, The Ursa was huge. Yeah, yeah. The Ursa was like a... Like a gigantic, unwieldy thing. Yeah. With like a 10-inch screen or something ridiculous. Oh, okay. All right. Um, it was like for studios. And yeah. I, don't, I think maybe they're just continuing. I'm not really sure. But um, but the Ursa, so the Ursa Mini Pro, let me see if I can compare it in size. The body itself is is a, maybe a little bit um, about the same size as maybe the FS7. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit a little bit smaller. But oh, okay. um, it's much wider, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, almost like two FS7 stacked mm. next to each other. Um, it's still not, it, it's not overly gigantic and 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 heavy. You know, I think for what it does, it's 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 not it's not extravagantly large. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not small either. It's not like FS5 sized. Right. So, um, but when I held it, I held I held the mi- I didn't hold the Mini Pro yet, but I held the Mini, and I felt like, oh, this is lighter than I thought. But you need to add this gigantic battery on the back and other things that make it bigger. So, um, anyway, um, kind of exciting for cinematography. You know, I think it's an amazing, uh, great sensor and looks good. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get one right now. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I I have to imagine it's got to be hard. Uh, for some of these companies to break through when we're talking about things like the the Sony line, uh, Panasonic GH5 that's out there now. So many great cameras for, you know, for the price that just do so much now. You know, it's yeah. got to be hard for these guys to, I mean, they, really something compelling. You know, kind of like what we had talked about in our uh, 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 pre-show meeting, our production meeting. Um, you know, I'd read something about, uh, you know, the the Canon 5D Mark III getting the ability now to do in-camera, what, uh, uh, 4K, right? Oh, yeah, with the Magic Lantern update. It, 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 so, I mean, don't you think that's kind of like little too little too late type of thing with, with, with everything that's going out there now, the Sonys, the Panasonics? You know, unless you've already got one, then then that might be something you want to think about. But that seems like a a, a nice afterthought type of thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the man- Magic Lantern folks just kind of getting excited about hacking yeah. and seeing what they could do. <laughs> but and and I think for some people that already have one, it's it's like, all oh, right, I get 4K now. Yeah. Um, and then they have to use Magic Lantern and all the weirdness that it has in it. But um, I I you know I. I installed Magic Lantern, I think, on my 5D Mark II and III, uh, just to try it out, and I just went, eh. You know, it wasn't that exciting to me. Oh, really? To, to get those features, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, you know, when the GH4 and the A7 just came out, I was like, eh, why bother? 
because it was just basically adding what those things have in it already. Right. I mean, some of the things were good, like the raw recording and all that, but then you have to deal with all the cards and media and all that stuff. So it's just a huge investment. Right. You know, now why wouldn't you just get like a Blackmagic Ursa Mini Pro? Yeah. Or Mini. Mini. It does It does something, those kind of things, but way easier. Right. So, yeah. So I'm not overly excited about that. Although, okay, so another thing might be maybe Canon's going to come out with another, I don't know, C300 or C200 or something like that. It's possible. Mm-hmm. So like a Canon, so now there's the C100 Mark II, and then there's the C300 Mark II. Uh-huh. But there's kind of there's kind of a big gap in the middle. It would be pretty cool to, for them to come out with like the C200 that had you know internal some, something that has maybe 10 bit internal recording, but isn't so expensive mm-hmm. as, as and and gigantic as the Mark II, but still has a really good sensor. You know, so I think people would, you know, might 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 pay like. I don't know how much they would pay because the Canon, the C100 Mark II is already in the six thousand dollar range. But you know, then maybe they'd pay eight thousand for it or something. Right. Kind of just like a slightly, slightly, slightly scaled down version of the C300 Mark II, a little bit lighter, you know, a little bit less unwieldy. Because right. I, you know, even though that camera is now almost like three years old mm-hmm. since the announcement, I'm still kind of excited about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Canon C300 because it's got all the stuff that sure. I want in it. You know. It's got the autofocus. It's got the high bit rate. It's got the really good low, low light. It uses uh, Canon mountain lenses. Um, so maybe they'll come out with something like that. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that will be kind of neat to see if 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 something like that can uh, can can hit the, uh, the the show floor, shall we say? Um, what else do you what what else do you think? might be uh, might be at the show. I remember last year, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of stuff was about like, you know, LED panel lights and stuff like that. You know, a, a lot of drone stuff going around. Um you know, uh, what else do you think we could see at this year's NAB? Yeah, I would say there's probably going to be another 3000 brands of gimbals. <laughs> right. Hopefully cheaper too. Yeah, they'll probably be lower in price. Yeah, there's actually um, the uh, there's this one that's that's what is it called the crane, the something crane. There's I, I forgot what that name, some Chinese name, but then crane at the end. Okay. But anyway, it's supposedly really really good, really lightweight. It's only like five six hundred dollars, and it's supposedly better than all of them now. Oh, okay. Right? So um, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, gimbals like that that are, you know, better than, much better than last year's. I think the gimbals are getting better and better and better. Oh, yeah. Ma- yeah. May- maybe DJI will come out with a new Ronin, right? It's been a few years since the original Ronin. Right. Maybe they'll come out with a new brand or new uh, updated, like the Ronin 2 and maybe the Ronin M2. That's possible. Yeah. Um, maybe just a different paradigm for gimbals, you know, different ways to make them work better. Yeah. Um, like there was this one gimbal that came out that was really cool. It was a handheld gimbal, but instead of um, the back, uh, the back uh, motor being right behind the uh, like the LCD screen on the camera, like if you mounted a DSLR on there and 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 you were looking at it, it would always be blocked, right? Mm-hmm. So it actually just mounted it so that it was just tilted up all the time. So it was so the actual gimbal motor was below the camera, like forty five degrees below it. Okay. In the back, so that it would clear the back of the screen. That's a really awesome idea. Yeah. 
because it's still it's just oriented a little bit different it's just I mean it's all going to work exactly the same as before and have the same flexibility it just removes this blocking thing so you could actually just watch the back of the screen more easily you know stuff yeah. like that sure people people thinking out of the box sure so there's probably going to be some stuff like that you know we'll see I'm definitely going to look out for those things like that there because gimbals are becoming pretty pretty darn useful cool yeah, and there'll well, be, you know, lots of drones as well. What, uh, as far as you go, I mean, you know, obviously being a uh, uh, award-winning journalist like you are for <laughs> TechMove, uh, what are you personally looking uh, to go see if, number one, there is a new product, or number two, a uh, um, just something you're anticipating a vendor to have? Are you, is there anything on your own personal radar you, you want to look for? Uh, you know, not really, not yeah. really. There's just not a lot of cool stuff that is going to be announced that at least seems... nothing that they're leading on to, right? Nothing that I've, that I've heard of. So I'm not, I guess I'm not going in saying, I gotta see this. I gotta let, you know, I've, yeah. I kind of know about, about all the newer stuff. So there's nothing that I'm just so excited to look at. I think, right. you know, maybe looking at some, some newer gimbals and drones, Although, you know, I have all those now. Yeah. Uh, maybe if there's some new announcement that comes out that just blows everything out of the water. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe look at lenses. Yeah. I haven't focused on lenses much um, in the last couple of years there. So maybe I'll start, you know, I'll look at the Leica booth and the, and the um, you know, the other uh, high-end high -end, uh, lenses. You know, there's there's quite a few great cinematography lenses. I'll look at some of the, you know, the cinema adapted lenses, like um, the art lenses that have been adapted for cinema. Right. You know, and they get to charge like four times as much for them. <laughs> right. We'll put a gear on it yeah. and we made it bigger. Exactly. We're not going to charge you 4000 instead of 1000 Good, good. <laughs> Stuff good, like good. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that I, I, I think, well, okay, so NAB happens when? Uh, is it April... 22 i think it starts i think the first conferences start on the 22nd and that's then, basically when the public is not in there but I'll, if i wanted to i could i'm gonna be flying in um that's a saturday afternoon okay so i'll be flying into vegas at that point great um so if i want to go to the show and check something out maybe i will um the actual show the official opening is on the 24th good uh, we we will uh, us uh, the tech move audience will be eagerly awaiting uh, your reports mm -hmm. and uh, some uh, 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 breaking news events that will be occurring and uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, for the uh, most recent and latest news, look to somewhere else. But if you wanted a <laughs> month or two later, you come back here to tech move. And uh, we'll at least have an in-depth report for you. So uh, that will be uh, exciting. Uh, good luck, Keith. And Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, wave the uh, Tech Move flag I will. Uh, uh, with pride. I will. And uh, we, we greatly appreciate the hardship it will be of you going uh, to NAB. Uh, the but dust. You know, I, I am excited, though. Uh, we mentioned earlier on in this segment that uh, the GH5 had been announced. And, um, you know, this is something that's been going on for, for a while now. Mm -hmm. and uh, But uh, to, to, to our luck, it really hasn't started shipping until just 
you know, really recently, right? Yeah, I mean, like it, today. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's really just hitting people's mailboxes now and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, do we even need to ask, Keith, do you have one yet? I have one in my hands. <laughs> I'm holding it do. right now. Of course you do. I got it about four days ago. Uh, I, got it, I got it on Friday. It's now Wednesday. Fan- fantastic. And uh, uh, Keith, uh, g- give us some impressions. I-, I-, I have my own theories, and I'd like you to kind of uh, uh, go about it, because obviously I still have not bought my Sony A6500. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, still very, very hot on it. But, you know, I do have to admit that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the GH5. I'm looking at it. There, there's a lot of great things about it that I've heard about, read about, seen on, on various uh, uh, videos. Um, let, let, let's hear from the one and only Keith Moreau. Keith, go ahead. Let, 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 give me a first impression. Okay. So my first impression, and I'm actually going to kind of just take the lens stuff off that I have on there now just to kind of see see if my first impression was actually accurate. So I'm just going to put, put in the lens, lens cap back on there. So that it's just the body. Yeah. Just to, Okay, so I'm holding it, and I have a GH4 right next to me as well. Oh, you, you, you have the GH4 and a GH5 in your hands right now. Yes. So, so here's the thing. I feel like the GH5 is is like significantly bigger and heavier. It feels almost like a 5D. That's what I thought. I mean when yeah. when when you do side by side comparisons of the Sony A6500 and a GH5, GH5 looks like a full frame uh camera to me. It it, it is. It's kind of surprising. It's kind okay. of surprising that it's it's quite a bit thicker. Um and and it's just more solid the grip is bigger everything's a little bit bigger okay you know so i feel like wow this and i felt first picked it up i said well this is like a dslr mm-hmm. um and a little bit heavier too so that was my first impression um because they've just gotten bigger and bigger over the years you know it's so that part you know maybe is not a plus but it feels really good in the hand like it mm-hmm. feels way better than the sony's oh really yeah uh-huh. just be- just be- it feels be- like better ergonomics so on and so forth um, yeah, yeah, it's just way better ergonomics. It's all the buttons are kind of roundy and in the right place, and it fits your thumb fits where it should. It doesn't feel like it's digging into your fingers and cutting off your circulation and mm-hmm. cutting you. And mm-hmm. you know, y- you feel like you can hold it without too much stress and without dropping it. So that, so I think there's a reason f- that it's a little bit bigger and heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the heaviness is probably just because it's got more stuff in it. You know, um, a little bit more electronics, a little bit more. You know the sta- the built-in stabilizer for the all the stuff adds weight, right? So, um, but um, very 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 similar um, in use to the GH4 menus and everything are very, feel very familiar. Button placement and other things feel very familiar. It's got um, one. It's got an extra joystick on it, so it's kind of like it's almost got like two joysticks on it. it used to just have the 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 dial wheel that was kind of like a joystick. Okay. But now it's got another additional joystick, <laughs> like that's kind of under your thumb. That's really good for moving focus around and stuff because it's right there. Okay. So, and I'm just putting back my combo. And you actually asked me, have you tried this combo of your Meta Bones and um, 
in the Sigma right. that you're in love with. Yes. And so I just tried it today. Okay. And I'm, I'm putting it back on. I have to figure out how to actually get the lens back on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Okay. So when I first put it put it on and turned it on, let's see if this happens now. The um, There was no image. Or the image was... Yeah. And that's kind of the case now. Oh, really? So, no image, huh? Well, it was like... So I'm not quite sure oh, why. It, or... Um. Yeah, I was going to yeah. suggest you know there's a there's a menu item where it allows you to um, put on any kind of lens that you want, right? That 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 was from way back in the good old GH1 days, and I don't yeah. know if they automatically just allow you to do that, or you actually have to change a setting in there to do that. Because I, because I, because I want to say, uh, you, you know, uh, I, I did know that you got the GH five and some of the test shots that you sent to me. Oh yeah, uh, indicate that you were just using Panasonic lenses. So I right. don't know if you've actually tried any third party lens or not. Well, what I'm, I'm doing that right now. Yeah, I'm doing that right now. So mm-hmm. there's definitely some type of glitchiness with the speed booster that I have right now. So I'm using the speed booster. And the 18 to 35, mm-hmm. and I actually had this working before. I'm gonna turn it off and on again. Um, so when I first put it on, I got like snow coming out of the viewfinder, okay, and nothing else, okay. Um, like okay, it's going. I don't really like this uh, combo. I'm just not gonna work. Uh, so then I kind of fiddled with it. I kind of unscrewed the 18 to 35, and then screwed it back on, and and uh, then it started kind of working. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of doing that now, and it's still not really working. So, but when I slightly unscrew it, basically when I disconnect the electronics, then it works. Huh. So I'm gonna. Um, but then I did get it to work once, so it was actually working okay. Okay. So let me just try it. So it's probably just a matter of fiddling around with it or something like that. Yeah. I think it takes a combination of like turning the power. And this is like, I, here's what I just did. I, I had the lens slightly unscrewed so the contacts weren't engaged on the front of the metabones mm-hmm. in the lens. Mm-hmm. And then I turned on the power, let it boot up, and then I screwed it and now it's working. Hmm. Okay. okay, so now and now I've got, um, got it to focus. And it's fo- focusing pretty darn quick. Oh, not, okay. a, not as quick as the native lens. Right. But you can, okay, so I'm going to tell you, you, can you hear the little beeping? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you when I press it and then when it's in focus. Okay. Pressing. 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 Not pressing. It doesn't, doesn't sound too bad. It's pretty quick. It's pretty yeah. quick. It's not. It doesn't seem to be continuously focusing, so I'm not sure what the deal is there. Um, there's some pretty interesting settings for focusing. I would be I would be interested in the um, in the autofocus. You know, one of the big things is having your subject, uh, like your dog, running towards you. Would it would it be able to follow focus that? Yeah, it, theoretically yes, but I'm not sure why it's not doing it. Uh huh. Let me see. I'm going to go into a menu setting here. So I have continuous AF on, and I have. AF custom settings. Um, you can set the sensitivity and the um, AF sensitivity. And so I'm going to, I have it all the way down, so I'm going to set it to all the way responsive. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Alright, so now. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem to want to focus. It doesn't seem to want to focus continuously. I don't know if that's my setting or something weird about it. But if I press the 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 button, mm -hmm. the half half shutter, yeah, then it focuses instantly. Okay. So it seems like there's something that either I'm not setting it right or it just doesn't work with the meta bones, or maybe there's some setting on the meta bones. I think there's a setting because I think I've I've seen some examples of of it working, but maybe not as fast as as like a, a G, uh, as a Panasonic lens. Yeah, I haven't gotten it to really focus at all. Maybe it's just my, my setting, I don't know. Yeah, it's not not doing it. Oh yeah, and then I just um I just turned the AF off and on mm -hmm. on the lens mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. it's just locked up. Like the image is just the same image that it was when I switched it. Oh, so 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 in other words, you probably have to power it down and start all over again. Yeah, so I'm gonna uh -huh. unscrew it. Yep, uh, unscrew the front, and that's how I get it to work. I think I've heard that of that happening. Yeah, it's still doing it. So I feel like there's something something still not compatible with this. Uh huh. Like I wouldn't want to have to do this in the field. Right. 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 I would just want to have it work. Sure. Sure. So okay, so let me see. This first sequence I did was I have the front of the lens slightly unscrewed, on the, and then the power's off on the camera. And I'm going to turn the power on, and I get this focal length setting. It says current focal length setting 35 millimeter. Change the setting. I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to and now it's so the lens still isn't powered on, and now I'm going to turn the lens into the meta lens. And that still made it lock. Okay. <laughs> did it lock up? Yeah, it locked. It did? Oh, wait, wait. Now it's come back. Nope, now it's locked again. It's funny because all the other indicators are working, like the level. Right. You know, you know, the level thing it's on and the histogram and, and other stuff. Although the histogram seems to be kind of stuck, too. Mm. Um, weird. Yeah, not not reliable. Huh. I'll have to look. Look. See, this is what happens when you demo stuff live for the first time. Right. Well, I and, 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 and I and I think that that's what uh, the Tech Move podcast is really famous for: is to <laughs> do, do all these trial things on air, which is uh, really exciting. So, oh, I just turned the power off and on. Now it's working. I just briefly turned it off and on. Oh, and it just locked up. Okay. So, okay. Well, anyway. Aside from this little test just for you. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. One of the reasons why I probably will maybe just use native lenses with it. Much more reliable. So but... so so when uh when when you say that uh what Panasonic lenses do you still have or have you, or do you actually have Olympus lenses, other micro four thirds? What do you, what else do you have? I just have uh I basically have three um compatible lenses mm -hmm. i have um they're really nice really beautiful 12 to 35 made by panasonic right it's yeah the 2.8 very yeah. sh clear sharp very small yeah um i also have an olympus i think 7 to 14 or something very wide right um very nice lens as well 
Which, if it's a a 7 to 14, that'll probably be like a 14 to 30 or something like that. Yeah, still pretty... Yeah, 14 to 28. So, it's still pretty wide. Yeah. And and then... And now that with the built-in image stabilization on the on the camera, it makes that lens more useful because that doesn't yes. have image stabilization. And then I have the original original kit lens that came with my right. GH1, right. Uh, right. which is still usable. It's just probably not the best lens. But um, so I just have those three lenses. Um, but I may you know I may get some other lenses. There's not a ton of them out there. Well, there's that one, and I'm I'm surprised you never bought it before. But I guess because you never really stuck with Micro Four lens. But that Voigtlander. Voigtlander, I'm just yeah, but it's, you know, it's a point nine five. I know, but I'm just not crazy about it. It's supposed to be a little soft on the edges. Yeah, I feel like it's soft, and I feel like I can just, if I really want that lens, I can just adapt um, like a speed booster onto it. Yeah, put a close. speed booster onto one of my thousands of Canon yeah. lenses. Yeah, that's it'll be bigger true. than the Voigtlander because the Voigtlander thing's pretty small. Yeah. But well, I Voigtlander's... actually thought the Voigtlander was very close to that of a Sigma art lens, but I'm not oh, sure. Oh, really? That big? I, yeah, I, I, I kind of thought. I mean, like, you know, because because Voigtlander has, I think they have a, a, a zoom that's 0.95. But, it, you know, this, we're t- easily talking a couple of years ago. I see. So, um, yeah. there There's a few primes. There's quite a few primes for the Micro Four Thirds. I'm just not, I don't know if I want to invest in those. You know, I could just get a, I could just use a passive adapter and, and a, one of my manual, like, Rokinons or something, you know? Right, right. And I still get some really nice lenses. The speed booster, yeah, I mean, I have to figure out the speed booster thing, the issue that's happening on my lens and make it at least work. Yeah. Um, maybe if I just have it half, you know, not engaged. Right. <laughs> so it's just fully manual. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Actually, no, probably with the Rokinons it would work because it doesn't have any electronics. So it probably just wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't lock up or anything. It would just right. act as a speed booster. But and, and with the Rokinons, you know, all the all the controls are on the lens, so you don't need any electronic control, like you do with these Canon lenses. So um, anyway, but so aside from that, um, as far as you know, what do I think of the camera? Yeah, at at, the, at this point, I kn- I know that you've only had it for a, a few, really, literally a few days now. Mm-hmm. Y- you haven't probably had a great chance to really take it through the paces but no thus the far first, your your thoughts well i spent okay so i had this event on uh sunday and just a couple of days ago yeah. and uh i i took the gh5 uh with the native 2.8 lens and i just kind of handheld and shot throughout the event i was actually kind of like the mc and host of the event too so it was the footage is really bad but uh, sure. <laughs> as far as being shaky and, you know. Well, I mean, j- just r- literal run and gun. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the stabilization, though, worked pretty well. It, so it's got in-body stabilization, and it, and it can couple with the on-screen, I mean, the uh, lens stabilization. And so, th- so it actually, and then it can also have electronic stabilization added to that. Mm. So with those three things kicked in, it's pretty smooth. That's kind of like gim- gimbal-like, although you might not be able to tell from my footage. <laughs> <laughs> so that part's really good. Okay. Um, I did everything in vlog because I wanted because the the reason I feel like the reason for if you want to do any kind of log format, it's way better to do it in ten bit than eight bit. Right. Because you're going to have to grade it anyway. But if you want to bring anything, move stuff around, bring stuff out of the shadows. Um, change exposure especially in the darker parts you really want to have a log format because if you don't you're going to get a lot of artifacting mm-hmm. um, a lot of kind of banding and other weird things that happen and also it's got 422 color space so it's pretty pretty 
deep rich color information mm -hmm. and then i recorded 150 megabits per second so um you know it's fairly healthy codec still long up you know it's mp4 h.264 so um and i felt like when i was grading it i graded it in premiere pro with the lumetri color which is a great coloring system mm -hmm. very easy to use and quick it uses the gpu's acceleration um i actually was really pleased with that actually was really like I could notice the difference between the grading results between grading that and grading eight, eight bit footage like from my A7s. Mm, okay. Yeah. I felt I felt like I could really manipulate the image a lot more okay. and that I needed to because in this situation it was kind of a weird situation. It was a party uh and it was outside but then it was, a lot of it was un, under this big shade gazebo. Sure. So you had this kind of shady dark area and then yep. this really super bright outdoor yep. area and, and then and then if there's concrete out on the floor it's reflecting right back at you and it's yes. this whole thing yes it's just a dynamic range nightmare right and that's where you need log and where you need 10 bit mm -hmm. and so the supposedly with vlog the camera gets to 12 stops of dynamic range and that's actually pretty good that's getting into hdr territory mm -hmm. and um i felt like it was able to pretty much capture everything all the highlights, all that super brightness, and the super kind of darkness of the shade. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a variable ND or any kind of ND on it, so I was shooting really, uh, really stop down. So there's there's not much demonstration of shallow depth of field. Mm -hmm. I never had a variable ND for this lens, the um, 12 to 35. Mm -hmm. So I just ordered a um, what's supposed to be a good one, a Tiffin variable ND that'll fit it. And um, we'll see how that goes, so I can get better shallow depth of field outside. And I had it, I had it stopped down, and I also had the shutter speed kind of high, <laughs> so it's definitely not cine cinematic right. settings. Okay. But um, but regardless of that, it was more for the dynamic range experimentation, and I was really had a pleasure grading it. Really. I didn't yeah, and I felt like I c I could really super manipulate the image and not have it go bad. I felt like I had a lot of room to push stuff around, way more mm. than than the other footage that I usually shoot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that part was really cool. That's that great. Was, that felt really good to me to be able to do that yeah. for such a small, light little camera. And uh, so, your thoughts on uh, that uh, type of file versus the stuff that you get out of your Sony material? What what what, what did you think? Okay, so jury's out on whether it has the same beautiful image quality that the Sony's have. Not sure if it does or not. I, I noticed a little bit of that still Panasonic graininess, mm -hmm. but that could be alleviated with some settings like turning down the sharpness in the camera and other things that I haven't done anything. It was just all stock. Mm -hmm. So so you pretty um, much had it at factory settings at that? Yeah. I just did vlog and I didn't change anything else. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, uh, I felt like it was more cinematic looking than the GH4. I felt like it was had more velvety feeling, like the sensor was better quality. Oh, that's like the good. Processing, yeah. I felt like the sensor and processing was better quality. I don't know if it's quite as velvety and silky and beautiful as the A7s, uh, or the probably the A6500. I don't know if it's got that level of quality. Um, I still have to experiment a little bit, but just my impression and looking at the footage was that definitely better than GH4, maybe not as good as the A7 in the stock settings mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so but maybe doable with um with some tweaking on the on the custom settings in the camera mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so 
So I, I think, you know, as a B camera and as an overall versatile camera, like maybe for green screen to get really sharp, good keys because of that 422 and the 10 bit mm-hmm. in, in 4K, it's, that sounds like, you know, like a no brainer, you know, better than my FS5. Wow. Right? Because my wow. FS5 is only doing 420 color in 8 bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm pulling OK keys with that. If I did right. this, use this camera, I think it's going to be better than the FS5 image-wise. So uh, for you to tell that difference, uh, do, do you need to actually set up the GH5 in optimal settings and then try it like during a real shoot and uh, and then you'll have an answer as far as whether or not you think it will work uh, to the level of a uh, uh, of cinematic footage? Yeah, I'm going to I think what I'm going to I'm going to do a shoot in Las Vegas soon. This is not the NAB. This is like a week before ironically, but mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> but I'm going to Las Vegas for a, a client okay. shoot. And it's a really simple shoot. It's going to be like a green screen, I think. Um just bring a camera and just set up a an overhead mic and just these these interviews with some some of their customers and things. Mm-hmm. Um so I think what I'm going to do is maybe have the GH4 and my FS five. You mean the GH five? Sorry, GH five. Yes. Right. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna have the GH five and the FS five running simultaneously. Oh, okay. And I might just, uh, you know, I might have not not too uh, different of an angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm gonna see how how well they do image wise, etc. Okay. Yeah. So that'll be a really good test, and I'll you know I'll have the FS fives footage. You know, it, it, I know that I've done, shot a lot with that. I know how it works. I know how to key it and, and all the things to get get it to be good. But then I'll have this additional GH5 footage. And right. I'm going to see how, how it works. And that'll be a good comparison. Good. Yeah. That's excellent. That'll yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty happy I got it. I'm actually kind of excited about the GH5. I think it's in some ways quite amazing camera. Well, I, I can't wait for, for the full review. I mean, you know, I obviously have have some you know thoughts about that versus as it's you know as i still think about the a6500 um i I just don't know if the gh5 has persuaded me uh to that because to me the gh5 seems more like a video camera uh even though i think you can pull some terrific stills like you did you showed me some terrific stills and they look great um, oh, you know what I did too at this this uh, event yeah. was I actually set up a photo booth um, with a backdrop. Okay. And I used a flash. I, I actually I have a couple external flashes that I can put on the hot shoe. Sure. And so I just used a pretty simple forward flash with a diffuser, and um, they came out really well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna send you those so you can check those out. And you took those with the GH5. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just took like hundreds of photo booth oh, great. shots, and and they came out really well, really clear, sharp. Oh, cool. Um, they weren't super cinematic because you know it's like a f- it's a front flat flash right. on people, but sure. But um, people really loved them. Okay. And they're super sharp. So okay. see what you think. Okay, I will. Um, I'll I'll, I'll drop Dropbox that to you since we have the Facebook issue. But Fan- <laughs> right, fantastic, good, good, good. All right. Well, uh, Keith, I think that that is going to wrap up uh, this exciting episode Um, because I think what we need to do is we need to get you ready for NAB. (laughs) And uh, and me, I don't know what I need to get ready for, but uh, I'll get ready for it anyway. (laughs) 
Um, so, Keith, to, uh, before we go on and close out this episode, uh, let's remind the good listeners about where they can find us. Uh, of course, you can find us uh, on our website, which is techmovepodcast.com. And uh, we also really would love for you guys to subscribe to us on iTunes. Search for Tech Move, right? Yep, yep. And search for Tech Move. And also, um, five-star reviews are really important to us. They help um, with our sponsors. They help other people to find us and make the podcast more popular. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you get anything out of it, or even if you don't and you hate us, just go to <laughs> <laughs> just go to just go to uh, iTunes and go through the laborious process to uh, give us a five-star rating. Thank you. And review. Yes, thanks. We really appreciate that, folks. Too. Uh, we 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 do love that feedback. Uh, you can also find us on fa- uh, Facebook. I was going to say fake book. Uh, <laughs> Facebook Tech Move Podcast is where you'll get us. Twitter at Tech Move Podcast, and you can listen to us on a couple of different. Uh, platforms like Stitcher and Player FM. Uh, but most importantly also, uh, uh, Keith, why don't you share with the good folks how they can help support the uh, the podcast through our Amazon uh, link. Yeah, you can go to techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon and that'll just bring you right to Amazon and then you can buy stuff, anything you want. Or you can just click on the links that are on our website and also get there. Um, it's really easy to do. doesn't cost you anything. gives us a little bit of commission per purchase and helps support the podcast and helps pay for a very small infinitesimal portion of the trip to, to NAB. Right. And I, th- <laughs> and I think what it pays for is probably extra uh, cassette tapes for the dictaphone that Keith is going to take yeah. to record uh, some of these interviews. So. And, and extra ice on the plane right. in my drink. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Ah, very good. All right. Well, uh, folks, it is Tech Move, and uh, Keith Moreau is NAB bound. Rod Louie is homebound. (laughs) And uh, we will catch you on the next episode where we have much more fun. We have much more news. We have much more controversy to get to and that will be coming up uh whenever (laughs) we get to recording it uh keith thank you so much for uh for being with me today you're welcome ron i really really appreciate it i really love doing this so uh folks for keith moreau i have been rod louie and thank you very much again for joining us on this episode of tech news